Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Morning all, first day of July. June is gone and July is upon us already. Who'd have thought, huh? Well, that's the way it goes. And if you know they watched the RTE two-parts or RTE investigates last night and the night before, I watched both of them. Uh, last night, very, very sad, uh, very detailed, in-depth. They got into and stayed in James's, uh, St. James's Hospital from about mid-May. Uh, and, uh, you know, it really showed, if nothing else, that all of those that died, like four out of five people in the ICU in that hospital survived, but one in five did not, of course. And they were not a statistic. They were not a percentage. They were human beings with uh, stories and lives behind them and loved by so many people. Uh, they say that many of those uh, who, you know, would have respiratory problems or came through uh, COVID will need lung transplants now. It's a story making uh, this morning's echo because uh, you're left with residual scarring upon your lungs as you come out the other side. So a consultant in Cork is saying uh, that um, people are already presenting in need of lung transplants in Cork because of the permanent damage inflicted uh, by COVID-19. You get a real sense of why watching the pandemic double-hander, double-part show on RT where you, you know, where they, you kind of almost are in the ICU a lot of the time with them, fighting along with the patients and admiring the staff and in awe of the staff and the hours that they're putting in and, you know, the psychological and emotional turmoil that nurses and doctors are going through, or at least were going through when things were bad enough. But concerns that hospitals will be swamped during the winter flu season is a story from the examiners today. This is uh, an actual story that I dealt with yesterday morning on the air and I was telling you of the five or six ambulances that were backed up at the sea who hedge and amongst them as Owen English is correctly stating this morning an elderly woman with a suspected broken hip Three hours, over three hours in the back of an ambulance waiting to be brought into the A&D. We've got soaring uh, trolley figures, of course, in this country, and nothing ever seems to change in that regard. God knows what it'll be like, and this is like at the end of June, start of July. And unfortunately, I have to say that we've had our first positive case again in Cork. We were COVID-19 cases, free case, free of cases for 11 days. And then a single new case of COVID was reported in Cork after our 11 day period without any cases. Uh, that's a story from the Echo this morning. If you didn't know it, the latest figures coming out of Cork for positive COVID-19 tests are 1,000 uh, 536 cases since the pandemic began, including the one yesterday, for just over 1,500. Um, and of course, uh, Monday, of course, we saw the pubs that could serve food uh, being allowed to open. And you heard in the news there that some publicans are, are flouting it. That's a story also from the Mail today where they're saying there are rogue pubs are flouting the rules on meals. And that's alarming and annoying for the pub restaurants that are playing playing ball and, you know, offering food and assisting people that eat food and they sit down, they control the amount of people in smoking areas, they control the amount of people going to the loo, they control the fact that nobody can stand at the bar. Uh, like there's a, you know, there's a, a photograph, which I actually, when I saw yesterday, I thought it was fake news, but it's actually real. It's a receipt from some pub up the country for 31 pints of Heineken uh, and one portion of chicken goujons and chips. I mean, you couldn't make that up. You think that, that would be fake, wouldn't you? That somebody doctored the receipt. 31 pints of Heineken, 182 euro 90 cent, and one plate of chicken goujons and chips, 11.95, bringing the total bill for food and drinks to 194 euro 85. Some pubs are saying, ah, look, you, you don't have to stay for 105 minutes. You can stay for double that if you want. So that's the story. I mean, that, like, obviously there was a whole gang load of them went in, drank all the pints and just got a token, um, kind of plate of food just to, just to cover them. 
I don't think you could share one chicken goujon and chips with all of those people. But lovely photographs in the Examiner and the Echo then of Cork City streets, particularly Princess Street, which is a roaring success beyond street seating for uh, the bars and restaurants on Princess Street. And as I heard earlier on this morning now, they're proposing to roll out that kind of a project in a lot of other Cork City streets. So all that's got to be good. And you're encouraged because many people won't want to go overseas on holidays. That can, that confusion continues. But how's about visiting all of the reopened tourist sites. We're doing some work on that this morning and I'll report back with what I hope will be a lot of vouchers to give away for the different tourist sites on Leaside. It's a lovely photograph and article in the Echo today, particularly of Spike Island, just one of the popular tourist destinations to have reopened. If you haven't been, and they keep adding to it every year, and they keep ploughing huge amounts of money into Spike, and it, like the last time I was there was about three years ago, and even since then, they've done an awful lot more work, so I'm anxious and excited to get back. But organise a bucket list of places that you haven't been in the city and county, and go there, or at least at least one whether it's photo, whether it's spike, or whether it's the old jail up in Strawberry Hill, pick something and go for it. If you've never kissed the Blarney Stone, well, maybe that could be idea. But the city hotels are feeling the pain because they're saying that there's a real lack of booking bookings in the in the city hotels, which are reopening the doors. Not all of them reopened. They're slow to some of them because they're just not seeing any bookings and uh, can't really seem to drum up business. So if people don't want to come to Cork, why don't the hotels turn to Cork? Uh, and start offering deals for Corkonians, slash their rates, come up with some overnights or weekends for families or for two people or partners who want to get away from the humdrum of life where they've been stuck indoors for three or four months uh, so they can have a change of scenery. I mean, you've got to start thinking differently. If the city hotels are saying they can't drum up business, then you've got to come up with a new model. Holiday hell makes all of the papers, you know, because you're not going to get w- refunds from Ryanair. You're not going to get f- refunds from Aer Lingus, but primarily Ryanair, who... Uh, kickstart their um, you know flights all over Europe, big, big, big flights, uh, like a thousand flights from today uh, with regards to Ryanair uh, all over Europe. But they won't give you your money back if you don't take a seat on the plane. And we've been dealing with that over the past couple of days. And some people are losing 1,500, two grand, 2,500. I even spoke to somebody yesterday who has to lose 2,700 because they can't get a refund and they can't get a voucher from Ryanair. But are we allowed to fly or not? You know, nobody seems to make their mind up on this. You've got Tony Holan saying one thing. Then you got Simon Coveney kicking for touch on the other hand and saying it's an issue for me, Hall Martin. So I don't know what to make of all of this. We'll come back to it. But um, will they or won't they ban foreign travel? Well, they're unlikely, according to the Irish Times, because you literally can't close a country down economically. That would be suicide. But Cork Airport are, are calling for a lifting of the blanket 14-day quarantine rule. More on that in a few minutes' time. And then um, there's stories of uh, the PSNI in Northern Ireland who are going to check videos and photographs of Sinn Féin members at a funeral there yesterday, where apart from Mary Lou MacDonald, who seems to be in the photograph standing slightly further away from everybody else, all the other Sinn Féin members, and maybe to a lesser extent Jerry Adams, but everybody else then is literally up on top of each other. Like, what's the story? Like, why don't they get a bit of cop on and realise, listen, of all of the people... You know, we should be getting this right. There's a TV war going on between RTE uh, and uh, and Virgin. Um, not so much who, mine is longer than yours, but mine is better than yours, I suppose. It's the war of the COVID news reports, both of them claiming to be better than the other when it comes to COVID news reporting, which, to be honest with you, is a little distasteful, considering that people got sick and people died, but there you have it nonetheless. And then the amount of money spent or sent over year overseas, this is still going on, you know, in children's allowances, because Ireland's children's allowance is probably the most generous in Europe at 140 euro for child per child. So every year we continue uh, to send out 
almost 13 million euro in children's allowance to various countries across Europe. The biggest um, is Poland. Uh, after that, the UK, uh, followed then by countries like Lithuania, Croatia, Slovakia, Spain, uh, countries like that, even places like Sweden and Luxembourg. We have a few people who have kids working here, I suppose, or living here and kids overseas. But it's something in the region of uh, seven and a half, over 7,500 children who don't live here get children's allowance, or at least their parents do. The children are back in their native country, and we're sending the children's allowance over. So that um, seems daft. I would have thought that the children's allowance, if it was being paid, would be paid at the rate that exists in the country where the child lives, but who do you know? Uh, anyway, the papers also talked today of the Gardaí who've swooped on a solicitor's firm in Dublin for filing false injury claims. It's a story from uh, the Mail this morning, and unfortunately, all that beautiful street art, we need to protect that. You know the ones that are particularly on the little boxes, the ESB boxes and the, the telecom boxes and things you see them around, little boxes that change the traffic light systems? Uh, somebody's going around defacing those, so we need to get a handle on it. And also, um, with regards to all of the women who before went overseas for terminations that no longer have to do so now, the numbers are in for uh, terminations and abortions carried out in Ireland last year. And the figure for terminations, abortions in Ireland last year is 6,666. All of the sixes. Um, and there are more sixes because in Cork last year, there were 606 terminations and abortions. And it's a breakdown of the figures in the mail today. There's lots more which will come back to throughout the course of the morning. We'll come pick it up. Um, it's, it's interesting that, you know, talking about not reading the room. You see that yesterday. I actually saw it coming in just as it was going off the air. Kanye West was congratulating his wife, Kim Kardashian. She's got um, uh, something like 175 million fans on Instagram so she got, I think she's got a fashion range. She certainly has a cosmetic range and she sells it to all of her fans. And she has now become a billionaire. Um, and he was um, congratulating her, telling her what a wonderful woman she was. And that would have been seen by her 175 million fans, many of whom are now unemployed or have uh, someone in their family who either got COVID-19 or died from the coronavirus in America. So I don't think it was an apt or a well-timed tweet, don't you? The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco, we'd like to ask all our customers to respect our dedicated times for our over 65s and family carers. All right, uh, lines open. You can text 086-8104-106. And according to the latest figures coming out of America, and this is from John Hopkins University, they've had 10.5 million uh, cases detected now worldwide with half a million deaths. And in the U.S. alone, a hundred and nearly 128,000 people uh, have died. Uh, I will come back to statistics throughout the course of the morning. But with regards to travel yeah, and all of the confusion we've had over the, the past couple of days, and today's a big day of travel because today sees Ryanair's aircraft returning to the skies after three months um, in bigger numbers. At the height of the pandemic, Ryanair was operating, operating like a skeleton service with just 20 routes each week. But now they've got a thousand flights from today all over Europe. So they really are ramping it up. And there's a lot of different issues, right? One has to do with quarantining when you go on holidays and when you come back or people who are coming over here on holidays, whether they should quarantine or not. People who are afraid to go on sun holidays and they're not being able to get their money back. You got um, the skies are open, but you have the Department of Foreign Affairs recommending that people shouldn't travel. So there's quite an amount of confusion. Kevin Cullinan is the communications manager at uh, Cork Airport and he joins me by phone. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Uh, obviously, you've been following all of the different strands of this story lately and the, the total amount of confusion. Like I've been talking to people who have to forego 1,500, 2 grand, 2.5 grand. Like for instance, Ryanair is saying, 
we'd prefer to send the plane empty rather than give your money back. Uh, what, what's your take on all of this? I think everyone at this stage is asking for one thing, and that's clarity. Um, there's been very confusing messages over the last five or six days, uh, and it sent mixed messages. We had the outgoing Taoiseach five or six days ago announcing that Ireland's travel restrictions to some countries were going to be reduced from the 9th of July. And that would mean the travel corridors, you know, the safe countries, yeah. yeah. Exactly, that they were going to come up with a green list of countries on that date and, and it would be possible then to travel to and from Ireland to those countries without the, the mandatory 14-day quarantine rules applying. And they were told that that was going to be based on EU data and we'd wait till next week uh, and that list would be provided. And that would give people clarity of where they could fly to and from uh, over the next while. Uh, and then obviously things have become a little bit more muddled. Um, obviously, Tony Holham, the chief medical officer, came out then advising people that he would prefer if they stayed at home this summer. But meanwhile, all of Europe's airlines have been gearing up for today, the 1st of July, because quite across mainland Europe, um, most restrictions are lifting today. And as you quite rightly say, you know, Ryanair has, has a thousand uh, additional services operating today. We have an additional um, Naples flight with Ryanair starting up today. Let's have a look at Cork Airport today and tomorrow, shall we then? Go ahead. So, yes. Yeah, so today you have Air France um, are back uh, operating their, their power service, uh, which was suspended right throughout the, the pandemic. And then obviously, as I say, you have, you have Ryanair coming back with a, with a seasonal Naples service today. So there are only four departures from Cork Airport today, we'll have approximately about 300 passengers. But substantially to more today. tomorrow? Uh, it, it, slight, it will slightly ramp up, it's, uh, but it's marginal. I mean, uh, on this day last year, we'd have had over 10,000 people flying before the pandemic hit us. Uh, at the moment, we're talking uh, two or 300 passengers a day. But right now, I did announce that they were going to start opening up 23 additional routes from the 1st of July as they're doing right across Europe. But Ireland at the moment is an outlier in Europe in that our government advice remains at the moment that everyone is advised to stay at home as much as possible and that all non-essential travel, including travel overseas, should be avoided. And if you have to travel, then when you come back into the country, you must, you're being asked to self-isolate for 14 days. And that's, that's the huge impediment because people don't just, want to travel for holidays at this time which is the, the biggest reason people associate travel in airports. But there's also people that want to be patriot home. There's business people who want to start travelling again. We're getting queries daily from, from large multinationals in the region saying we have an executive who wants to fly in for, for a business meeting for two days. Do they have to self-isolate when they get there? And you have to say yes. We have to direct them to the government advice on, on, on the government website and we say look it's a legal our requirement at the moment uh, and if you can't self-isolate then the government is saying then you should be considering whether you need to travel or not so there's a lot of uncertainty a lot of mixed messages coming from government circles from medical practitioners and I think what people want at this stage is clarity are we going to have a green list of destinations where it's, it's safe to travel to and from that they're at the same level of suppressing the curve at this stage in relation to COVID and can people safely uh, travel, taking obviously the, the, the precautions that we all need to take every time we leave our homes these days. So if there are if there is arrangement with countries uh, with regards to the travel corridor of green countries that are safer than others and we go there and they come here, 
you're saying at the airport there's no need for a 14-day quarantine rule and it should be lifted. Well, what, what, the, what the experts are saying, if, if, if you're going to a jurisdiction that's at the same level of suppressing the curve, and we've done extremely well in the past number of months, uh, and again, we're hearing anecdotally that the number of reported cases of COVID, particularly in Cork, uh, are down to single figures at this stage. If you're turning to a similar area uh, where the risk is the same as it would be at home, then if these air bubbles or air corridors are opened up, then you're as safe travelling there as you are, you know, travelling within your own county. And we were expecting that list of, of countries to be published on the 9th of July. Yeah. Hopefully, the, hopefully the new government have the same mindset as the outgoing government had. But as we've seen over the last 24 hours, uh, multiple different sources sending very different messages. And everyone at this stage is just uh, craving for clarity, okay. um, particularly from the government. Okay. But the medics are saying from Tony Hulhan down, not all of them, but the general consensus is don't go on summer holidays for fear of bringing back COVID-19. I suppose what we're all trying to do here is balance risk, balance the public health risk and the economic risk. If if we've done such a great job, which we seem to have done here, then it would make sense at this stage that we need to start trading again. We need to get economic activity. We need to get people back into jobs. We need tourists coming back in, fueling our hotels that are reopening, our restaurants that are reopening, our tourist attractions that are reopening. They can't just depend on the, the 4 million people in the Republic for business. Last year, there was 10 million visitors came so do, uh, to yeah. Ireland. So do we expect so then if there's balance, an announcement... Yeah, yeah, it's balancing the economy against health, you're saying. But if, if for instance, um, quarantine is abandoned on July 9th, are you, are you expecting, or is the tourist industry in Ireland then expecting huge amounts of bookings from overseas because people know we can now go to Ireland and we don't have to quarantine for a fortnight. Are, are we expecting a spike in bookings from overseas tourism from July 9th? I think it's going to be a very, very gradual recovery. Um, you know, this has been a seismic shock. I, I don't think we've we've seen nothing like this in our lifetime. And when you read the history books, I don't think there's been anything like this since, since the previous World War. So it's going to be a very gradual recovery. Uh, and we're not expecting to see floodgates open on the 9th of July, but what we were expecting to see was this restricted list of countries uh, where it would be permissible to travel to and from without the 14-day quarantine rule um, crudely applied to every destination in the world. Even the EU, EU has opened up um, now additional um, countries from outside the EU uh, where it's permissible to, to travel to. Um, so it, this is being monitored, and it's a developing a situation on a daily basis but I think what everyone is craving for at this stage is can we have some clear guidance so everyone can plan accordingly those that have booked holidays want to know am I safe to travel if I do travel can I do so without having to self-quarantine because if somebody's going away for a week at the moment they have to book three weeks holidays they do they travel yeah. for a week yeah. and yeah. when they come back their employers are saying by the way you have to self-isolate for 14 days and we won't pay you um, for those 14 days because you'll have to take them as annual leave uh, or unpaid leave. So you know, you know, yeah, and hopefully that clarity will come sooner rather than later, and maybe even sooner than July 9th. But you know, all of the flights that are going out tomorrow, say for instance, to places like Alicante and Faro and Malta and Lanzarote and Barcelona, Costa Dorada and things. Like, do you think that they'll be only half full? That you know, I'm talking with an awful lot of people. This is a national story now, where they talk of holiday hell, no refunds for cancelled trips, where people are afraid to go. But Ryanair predominantly won't give them their money back uh, because um, the flights are there and their seats are on the planes. 
I mean, at, at the moment, most flights are, are less than 40% full. Uh, and bear in mind, up until up until this week, we essentially only had uh, two flights a day at max going to, to London. Uh, and they were people primarily travelling either to be repatriated home or sadly, uh, a lot of Irish people going over to, to the funerals of, of relatives in the UK. So it's only in the last really um, number of hours that traditional sun destinations have reopened up. And we don't know, to be honest, how many people are going to fly in them because we might know, or the airlines may know, how many people booked, but they don't know until literally people present themselves right. yeah, at yeah. the checking desk or at the boarding gate how many people are actually going to decide to fly. Yeah. Our experience up to now on the, the London services has been, um, in the last week, it's been less than, than, than 40% occupancy. During the height of the pandemic, we had people in those flights flying to, to London Heathrow and London Sunset. Some days had less than 10 passengers. Yeah, and tell me, will, will Cork Airport survive all of this, do you, do you think? Is there any worry in that regard, particularly when we also hear that uh, Ryanair are threatening their pilots to take wage cuts? And if they don't, they'll stop flying out of Cork. What are your thoughts on that, finally? Well, as I say, you know, this has been a seismic shock to the aviation business around the world and Cork hasn't been immune from it. I mean, as I say, you know, in the month of May, ordinarily, we'd have had 7,000 passengers a day going to the terminal. Last month, um, we had 70. Um, a day, 70. 70 a day. So, you know, we've, we've, we've had, had our, our, we're taking the pain as well. Everyone at the airport is on a, a four-day week. Uh, Duty-free is probably closed, is it? The bar and restaurants would have been closed. All of the outlets are closed during the pandemic. Only this morning, the loop reopened for the first time. Um, so that, the, that has reopened today and there's one coffee shop open in departures. All of the other food and beverage outlets are closed. Bank of Ireland closed their branch at the airport during the pandemic. So it's a very quiet uh, place at the moment. Um, and look, we're happy to right-size our organisation um, between Dublin and Cork airports, up to a 1,000 people. Um, we'll leave the organisation in the coming months. Um, when you think, you know, we were on the crest of four very strong years of growth at Cork Airport, we, we thought at the end of February we'd be looking at figures of about 2.8 million passengers going through the airport this year. It's going to be considerably less than, than a million. It'll be seven or 800,000 passengers at most this year. So we're going to have to rebuild the business and I don't think we're going to see passenger numbers returning to those lofty heights for three, four, possibly even five years. Wow, wow. On that note, thank you for taking the call, Kevin. Appreciate it as always. Good luck to you all at Cork Airport. Uh, fairly shocking figures and stats. Kevin Cullinan, Communications Manager at uh, Cork Airport. We'll pick it up. Your calls are welcome on this, incidentally, particularly uh, with regards to the reams and reams of people that have been contacting me over the past couple of days who are going to be out big money because they just don't want to fly. I wonder what the medical advice is on this next. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. One of the most amazing figures that I came across, actually, a buddy of mine sent it to me uh, over the weekend, is the amount of Americans who won't be able to come here because they don't see America being on the list of, uh, you know, come on over on your holidays considering the amount of infections they've had. But 7 million Americans visit Europe, 7 million in the three months of any given summer, June, July and August. The figure is 7 million Americans. And you're not saying all of them, but a good proportion of those would take in Ireland as part of their trip to Europe. Not all of them. Maybe not even 50% of them, but a huge proportion of them would, wouldn't they, of the 7 million June, July and August. A lot of those would have been 
um, Ireland bound and that's why you probably have co- coach operators tearing their hair out but anyway all of this confusion oh can I just say because I'll, I'll run I'll forget as I go through the morning if not do you remember all the messing with Wirecard and the gift vouchers and stuff not being accepted and people not being able to spend them particularly in places like Maham Point um, just as I thought, um, that that embargo or that uh, lockdown on the Wirecard gift uh, card services, that's now been lifted and normal service has now been resumed. It was in place since the 26th, but it's been lifted now. So if you have gift cards, remember I was warning you, don't tear them up, don't throw them away. They're now legal, live and spendable again, particularly in Mahan Point at all of the usual stores that can be used against the purchase of a gift. Uh, and uh, Mahan Point, thank you to Mahan Point, got in touch with us very quickly. Uh, to apologise for inconvenience caused to customers over the past few days. All sorted. Wirecard is far from sorted. There's still an investigation, but at least you can use the cards that were booked through that system. So, back to the confusion with regards to whether we should or not, right? Uh, One aspect of this story, of course, is the amount of people who are going to be caught financially because Ryanair won't give them their money back if they don't want to travel because they're afraid. And if if there is an announcement on July 9th regarding lifting the two-week quarantine, you go on holidays for a fortnight, it'll come back in quarantine for a fortnight. Yeah? So they're unlikely anyway to ban foreign travel, the government. You don't see that happening. But medically, and Tony Hulahan amongst them saying, you know, don't fly. The Department of Foreign Affairs saying, no, you shouldn't. If it's a, if it's a type of flight that isn't, um, needed, you know, like a holiday, don't fly. Um, like if there's a green card or to countries that are just the same as us with the same amount of infections, uh, you know, what's the difference between going from Cork to Kerry and Cork to the Canaries? It should be none, really. But anyway, medically, what has Dr. Nick Flynn got to say on the topic from mycorkgp.ie? Nick, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Try, just trying to sum up all of the confusion and mixed messages there. What do you think? I, I agree with you. It is confusing, and there certainly are mixed messages. Uh, and although we've done well, we have dealt with mixed messages around other issues such as masks yeah. over the last uh, 12 weeks. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's important to, to just for people to remember that NEFAS uh, really is dealing with public health advice, and the government is trying to, to balance public health advice with what's going to be good for the economy. And in the end of the day, well, fortunately or unfortunately, we do need to have a functioning economy in order to pay for the health services so so that you, you can't pretend that the two aren't linked at all um, so I think that look the, the, the advice not to travel is prudent advice it's coming from Tony Hoolan who in fairness uh, whatever about messages being mixed he, he has been uh, shown himself to have a lot of integrity and, and he believes the advice that he's given uh, Nefford are clearly uh, continuing with that advice and the Department of Foreign Affairs are also but but when people then want to follow the advice, they can't get their fifteen hundred, their two grand, their two and a half grand back from Ryanair. So no, they'll be forced I, 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 to either no, forego it or go on holiday. I, 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 I agree with you. Like the people, the, the, the people who have booked holidays and who have money down are being left with Hobson's choice, and it's very difficult. And that's why I think we do need some. We need some move on the advice or, or some move on the practice. And if you look at what's happening internationally, I mean, the two week quarantine. Um, it's just not practical, you know. It might work, not for everybody, but might some people might be lucky that if they would go away for a week, they might be able to self to quarantine the family for two weeks so they come home. But even very few Irish people will be able to do that. And if you insist on two weeks quarantine on people entering the country, well, that's business uh, travel and inbound tourism can as well. So what are, what's happening internationally? What other countries are looking at um, are uh, actually testing in airports, and Austria have done this, and they're doing it in Vienna. Uh, and I and I think that. Look, it's something that should be certainly considered. There are no private um, labs in Dublin offering uh, these the, the swab test, the RNA test. 
and if you were to look at what's again what's so, happening in Austria, if you were to offer that to inbound travellers for their asked to, 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 I suppose, just quarantine in the airport for four to six hours while a test is pending and a negative test you can leave, unfortunately, then you have to have a, uh, a process for dealing with a positive test. Okay, so, so that means somebody coming back from a fortnight's holiday back to Cork would be tested at Cork Airport? Yes. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. I, I suppose it would have to be all inbound travellers because it, it seems to me that it, it's that there's something missing in the debate when all we're talking about are like Cork families or Irish families going on holidays. Like if, if you stop that travel, look, if you're fair enough. But what about inbound travel? Uh, and anecdotally, I'm told that there's lots of northern regions uh, uh, appearing in the, the border counties. People from the north are beginning to, to, to move and go on their, on their summer holidays. So we have to remember that we've got a land border as well as we've got as well as we've got air and sea borders uh, so like we do need to have I suppose some some, uh, some joined up thinking on it and I, and I think that a blanket ban is not going to work uh, you're not going to be able to enforce it I think in a case where you've got that uh, advice that isn't uh, regulation or that isn't enforceable people will then decide uh, do their own risk assessment and make up their own mind about travelling uh, and again what people need to bear in mind within that once they've done their risk assessment and things that they should look at is their own personal risk so Neil clearly we would still be saying to anybody who was in the cocooning group or the at risk groups when they absolutely shouldn't be travelling Underlying medical conditions that would be affected radically by COVID. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, if you were to get sick when you're away, whatever about being sick when you're at home, you should be sick when you're away, you absolutely shouldn't. But they, they also then should look at the destination. So clearly you've got countries like, I mean, the UK, you, you, you wouldn't go and visit relatives in Leicester at the moment. You wouldn't go to the States. You probably wouldn't go to Sweden. But you might, but somebody might consider, I mean, so, I'm talking about without regulation or without, without there being firm advice, a family might decide they, could, they would go to Greece, for example, you know. Um, I think so, Greece so, had a, I mean, I hate using the term, but Greece had a good COVID-19, didn't they? Well, they, they, they seem to have, and, and you would perceive that the risk would be less going to Greece. And, 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 and these, these are the decisions that families will have to make, will have to make now when they're, when they're cancelling the trips without there being firm, firm advice. And then the other thing that will inform the risk of a trip, Neil, would be what you're going to do when you get there. So how long are you going to be there? So if you're going to wait for two weeks, that's okay. But if you're going to wait for six weeks, obviously that's a bigger risk, right? And some people do take long summer holidays. Uh, and then the accommodation you're having, and I, I, I would perceive that like probably camping is safer than being in a hotel or B&B yeah. uh, which again is safer than if you're visiting friends and relations I think visiting friends and relations unfortunately is probably one of the riskiest things you can do um, because by definition you're going to be uh, in a, staying with somebody whose house didn't accommodate that number of visitors before it'd be harder to physical and social distance you'll be visiting other probably local people so I think the visiting friends and relations is a really really high risk trip um, UK would be dodgy enough they're going to reopen yeah, the pubs now in the, in the next yeah. few days as well yeah, and there's no, lots no, of Cork Countyans coming to and from the UK yeah unfortunately I, I'd love a trip to, to, to London Neil but no, that would be off the cards and, and I suppose the final thing for people when they're considering their own risk deal is, is the activities there like so I mean not that there are any mass gatherings but they will start again you know so conferences will restart so business conferences will restart probably music events will restart probably sports events will restart you know so tra- travelling to those types of, of of issues is clearly higher risk than if you're you're going to somewhere and you're going to lie by the pool and you know you might you might be a waiter that evening and you know and you're going to be just 
basically bubbled with your with the with the family with the people you went on holidays with. So 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 it, it probably the, the, the whole risk assessment it, it probably is a little bit more nuanced than a blanket ban. If you're not going to be able to do a blanket ban, uh, so people will. Be I think they, they they could give advice on that and how people can risk assess their own trips. And I think they also then should, should put a bit of thought into how people can come into the country safely because it's not just Irish people going away and coming back. There's foreign tourists going to come in. There's business uh, uh, visitors going to come in. And if the two week quarantine uh, stays there, all that all that travel okay. will be canned. And there are there are other ways around it. Okay, but if they lift the two week quarantine as is expected, and they do give a list of countries that are like a green corridor between us and countries that are similar to us with numbers, uh, and you don't have an underlying medical condition, uh, would you say then it's okay, it's okay to go on your two-week well, holidays, even, uh, even, uh, even on a flight this week, anticipating an announcement on the 9th? I, I think then what you should what you should do is so if, they, if you're if you're not a person at risk and if the government has told you this is a green card or a country and your 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 assessment of the trips so the things I talked about there the length of the trips the activities and where you're staying uh, and, and your assessment of those and the problem with that is that that people's perception of risk is different Neil right so some people won't climb a ladder in case they fall off more people including some Corkonians have been at the top of Mount Everest you know so people perceive risk differently so what I think might be um, might might be risky. And I might not warrant travel. Somebody else with a lower perception of risk might say, you oh, know, I'm going to go to that rock concert. I'm going to, you know what, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a conference there I can't miss. I'm going to go to that. Uh, so so, so it, it, is, it is tricky. I, I think that, that, that the activities is an important part of, of a journey yeah, or, or, okay. or of a trip when okay. you're risk, risk assessing. So it's assessing. a personal well, risk assessment that everybody must make, particularly well, bearing yeah. in mind where you're going and what you'll be doing when you're there. The, the other thing, though, I would I would say about Neil is anybody who's travelling. My perception is that the actual the transit is one of the is one of the tricky parts. So the the, the flight itself, again, encourage everybody to to mask up, mask up all the time in the airport on the plane. Bring loads of alcohol gel and really you know, wash your hands as much as you can if you are going to make make that trip. Um, and then the final thing is like, that people should consider. I would say Neil is so so having risk assess their trip and decide they're going to go they also have to consider what happens if a member of the family becomes symptomatic when you're away like are you going to be an irresponsible person who, who doesn't mention it who puts that symptomatic person on a plane puts another you know maybe 200 people or 150 people at risk on the plane or are you going to have the wherewithal to stay extra for two weeks extra in your holidays until the quarantine period is over and travel back safely do you have the the, the, the wherewithal and the means to pay for uh, healthcare while you're away if you become sick? Will your travel insurance pay for hospitalisation for a COVID-related illness? Like, there's lots of other things that people need to consider. Like on balance, Neil, I, I think that people should be very slow to go abroad. To be, to be honest, but I, but, I, but, I, but I think like without there being official guidelines, I think for for healthcare professionals to say a blanket no is okay. unhelpful. I think they need to explain explain the issues. And that that's what everybody's waiting for: clarity yeah. with regards to the lifting yeah. of quarantine. Clarity on the green corridors. Have a listen to this before I let you go. We had 1,736 deaths in the Republic since the beginning. Over 25,000 people tested positive. Of the 25,000 positive tests, 23,500 have fully recovered. And somebody said to me yesterday, Neil, you are so idiotic at times. Please try and get this into your brain. 0.5 of 1% of the population got infected with COVID-19. There is no consistency, no truth and no leadership throughout this pandemic. What that text was saying, while criticizing me, I have, don't have a problem with that, is saying that really COVID-19, in spite of what we saw on RT investigates, and that was incredibly sad, 
it was he, he or she is saying it was a non-event in the scale of what's getting people sick and killing them. Um, I think that's probably easy to be wise after the fact phase one, Neil. So, like, and very important to say that. Look, I, I think when, when that kind of analysis, that kind of commentary, may have some meaningful, um, or I, I suppose, merit, will be in two years' time, and we look back on how we've done then. Like, you know. Don't forget that those like 1,700 deaths and the 25,000 confirmed cases that was limited by the most severe lockdown, the most restrict, like the most socially and economically restrictive mm. measures that the country has ever seen. And if when you were sitting down to have your Christmas dinner or you were popping a, a bottle of, uh, of bubbly on New Year's Eve, if somebody told you that there was every business in the country, bar essential services, was going to be closed for what was the guts of 10 weeks mm. uh, and you, people weren't going to be travelling in and out of the country that the hospitals were going to be reconfiguring all of their care Yeah I know, for, so that stat the, is only that yeah. way because of the action that was taken No, absolutely okay. and, and it, I think it doesn't take into account what we had to do to, to do that and, then, and, what, and what, as, as has been like widely publicised over the last two or three weeks or four weeks and since lockdown starts to be, to be eased we're now into personal responsibility so the government probably don't have the opportunity or don't, don't have the capacity to do what they did again they did that to stop this to give us all a chance to reflect we all know now the importance of hand washing social distancing wearing a mask not touching our face cough etiquette and it's up to us all to practice that as much as we can you and if we don't we will be back in a winter of COVID and it won't be pretty uh, uh, what, so you are anticipating like other medics that there will be a second bout of this Yes, 100, 100%, 100%. I think that's where Tony... There will be 100%, definite that it'll yeah. be back, yeah? It will be back. And that's where Tony Hoolan is, is coming from this. Is coming from this. We could go back into lockdown again. Like. That, 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 that he's afraid that, that, that we will have travel-related cases during the summer, which we which would be potentially avoidable that that will inc- and, and, and as our kind of our native COVID cases are increasing as the winter comes which is probably likely to happen anyway that we will also have that bumped by travel related cases okay. Make, okay. making the situation for, at the start of the winter worse than it needs to be okay. I, would, I would suspect that's what he's afraid okay. of okay. Uh, I just want to let just before I let you go I did getting lots of texts on this but one has just caught my eye uh, it says ask Dr. Nick when the surgery he works in at the orthopedic is going to reopen it's a nightmare trying to get through for directions says Joe have you an answer to that quickly? Yeah, we do. Yeah, I welcome the question, Neil. Thanks. So we are open, Neil. So so we're open, but all our care is in the, in the first uh, step, and this is consistent across most general practices in the country, is with a nurse and doctor triage, a nurse and doctor consultation on the phone, and then as cases are needed, they're brought in. We're currently seeing, Neil, over 80 patients a day. Well, why can't he get through on the phone? Well, our, 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 our incoming calls have increased from... Pre-COVID, we had eighteen hundred calls a week. Last week, we had four and a half thousand calls. Now we we have put extra resources into it. In fairness to the to the HSE, that the, the general practice has been resourced to respond to these kind of difficulties. So we uh, we have put extra resources into the phone. We have a new phone system in place, and we also have a, are, are working on the okay. internal system, and we're putting more people on the so phone. So keep calling, you'll get through eventually. Keep, Did yeah, you no, see? I mean, look, yeah, we, okay. we, we 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 accept that there okay. that, that there has been high call volumes, but we are open for open for business. And we are doing our best to sort it out and get back to everybody in timely okay. fashion. We, we have a new initiative starting next week, which we're hoping will make it better. Okay, did you see the two-parter on RT, the pandemic in, in St. James's? 
I, I caught bits of it and it was heartbreaking really I mean we, obviously there's the, there's the personal um, the family uh, and, and the patient uh, side of us but really to see the, the emotional toll on the healthcare workers at, at the very very front line in the hospitals in the ICUs uh, you know I mean that was well, that, certainly, I found that hard to watch certainly opened my eyes I can tell you that yeah. thanks Nick thanks for taking the call thanks, appreciate Nick. it Dr Nick Flynn you can text 0868 Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851 Red FM. All right, Dan, good morning. Thanks for holding. What's on your mind? Good morning. Good morning to you. Look, I don't think people are really in this country, I don't think they're valuing their freedom within this country at the moment. I mean, so we have the freedom to travel all over, I don't know. Yeah. And I would love to see it this way. And, uh, but leave no one in. And uh, I'd like people to have some very well common sense and not to go abroad on any holiday. Money or no money, like, uh, lots of it. You said, all your life is worth only the price of your holiday. You must think of other people too, you know. So and you're saying stop money. all travel, in and out? Yes, at the moment, until this thing is gone. At least until next June. I mean, say, I'd like to see the hoteliers and other business people in this country lowering their prices for the other people to travel around within this country. And you know something, they'd break even. How they break even, though? You'd be, you'd be relying on a much smaller tourism pool. Yes, but to be continuous. You know, people are busting to go on holidays. How to blame them? But I mean, say, we have a beautiful country here and people are not availing it at the moment. Why yeah. risk Why risk all the people's lives? As Tony Holden said, he'd be unnervous at the moment. The man is right, you know? Yeah, but numbers are very numbers are very low. We've got through the. If it's going to come back in the winter, bring it on in the winter. You know, it's going to. If it's going to come back and it's inevitable, we'll get another spike. So be yes, it. We'll be yeah, in a much better position to deal with it then. Right, will we? But, but I tell you, the truth been waiting. There might be a bigger source than what we had already. You know, that's just a problem now. Uh, no, I, I, I agree with you that we have a beautiful country and we should all be exploring yeah. it more. But, uh, like, tourism into Ireland is huge, it's huge economic importance. I mean, so the publicans, including Ryanair, Michael Ryanair, them, they'll be all looking very sheepish when there is a big wave the next time. So close all borders until at least next summer. What did you see on CNN? Because I would have thought that... Oh, yeah. We, yeah, go yeah, ahead. I, I didn't see Ireland. There's about 13 or 15 countries listed where the Americans can travel to. And Ireland is none of it. As tourists? Oh, yes, and that's wrong. Yeah, but they're not, they're not going to be traveling anyway. They're not coming to Ireland. Like, they're just not. Oh, they, will, they will, of course. They will, of course. Where else are they going to go? This summer? Yes. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. I mean, uh, it's, just, it's just such a thing as common sense. Do people have such a thing as common sense? Like, it's all jumping up on holiday, all jumping up in the air. Oh, I can go abroad, I can go on holiday. But you see, when they come back, there's no such thing as isolation. You're, you're, it's only your word. They should be put into a certain quarter for two weeks. And test it. This is, this is where another problem is lying. Yeah, how many people actually are following the current quarantining for they're two not, weeks anyway? They're yeah. They're not, they're not, they're not. It's impossible. Okay, thank you for that. Much obliged. one 850 You can text 086-8104-106. Cork Airport getting busier as Ryanair resumes operations today and even more flights tomorrow. But the figures and the stats on Cork Airport by comparison to last year and what they were expecting this year should have been I mean, it's just absolutely devastating. And, of course, we have the old COVID parties going on. I'll have an update from the College Road uh, after 10 o'clock. But remember, I was talking to you and we posted a video and blurred out the faces of 69 young people, 69, trooping out 
of a three-bedroom semi-terraced uh, house. Not semi, it was a terrace house. Three be- big, huge party in there. Uh, three members of the Guardi came along and uh, turfed them all out. I mean, it was just bizarre to see that so many people could get into a small house. But there's just no cop on. There's a COVID party going on down in Kerry at the moment. It's gone on for over a week, I've been told about it. Screaming and roaring every night. Apparently, it's like 30 or 40 of them came down from Dublin. Uh, and they are just going full belt, night after night after night. I was asking the lads, how can they continue to do it? Maybe they just got youth on their side. Why aren't they sick after a night or two? Apparently they start off again with the hair of the dog and they're off roaring and screaming all night long into the early hours, all morning, until the early morning, I should say. Anyway, Philip says on these uh, COVID parties, it's disgusting, they should be ashamed of themselves, give them community service in a hospital, make them experience what it's like behind the scenes dealing with a pandemic that would make them think twice about having unnecessary parties. Well, could you imagine rounding up the 69 them now and getting them to work in a hospital? John says, I work in the health service, I've seen with my own eyes, not based on any statistics, but what my own eyes that even one life lost is too much i've seen lives lost this is selfish and stupidity beyond belief i've nothing but contempt looking at the video you post posted it's no fun and games fighting for someone's life uh, i would not wish this on anyone uh, adriana says maybe if the parents of these kids would take care of them and do activities with them this wouldn't be happening People need to stop blaming children and young people for the neglect of their parents. There's no schools, no jobs, no hobbies and no parenting. Nothing else to do but drink and socialize. I think the age of those people coming out of their of that house are well gone, much older uh, than, um, you know, parental intervention, if you like. You're talking about... 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds. Andrea says, my son's a health worker in the UK for a lung hospital. And he could literally tell stories of people of all ages gasping for breath from this virus. Those who are paralyzed, those who are on ventilators, those who are still crying and feeling things inside there. Uh, We haven't seen him since January. We won't see him with the way things are going for a long, long time. So videos like that one, the 69 being turfed out of a house, breaks my heart. We are all trying our best. Actually, Neil, that's no different from people booking Airbnbs up and down the country, packing 20 or 30 people in for a few nights. It's happening everywhere. You are spot on. Because the one that I'm referring to in Kerry isn't an Airbnb. It's one of those holiday lets. You know, you kind of have like a little estate of houses that are all holiday rentals. And they've taken over one of those. There's about 40 of them in there. It's nuts. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco, we'd like to ask all our customers to respect our dedicated times for our over 65s and family carers. Okay, um, a lot of people are getting in touch about their own experiences of late. I got a lovely text in saying, um, you know, if you want to see how things are done right, go to the South County in the back village in Douglas. So I was in the South County for lunch yesterday. This would have been on the the Monday. I had beef, which was €14.50, and it was excellent. The operation was professional, following all of the guidelines followed. The owners and staff wore visors or face masks. There were three of us. We're all over 70s, in our 70s. We're golfers. Uh, We used to meet every Thursday. We left on time after our lunch, and we will be back. I would give what I observed in the South County um, 10 out of 10. So that's an interesting one. Yesterday morning, uh, then, we had two different uh, callers on air talking about the harp bar, okay? And this is very interesting because um, the harp bar got in touch. We got in touch with them yesterday, and they said that they followed all of the guidelines. No rules were broken. The guards actually called. Guards are inspecting pubs, they say. They checked the books, and we actually spoke to the guardie. You got onto the press office of the guard Shikona, and they said that the harp bar was compliant, that no rules would be broken. And in fairness to the Harp Bar, they have sent me um, 
quite an amount of photographs of the interior of the pub. And to be honest with you, it's very impressive, the work that they've done in there with regards to taking out tables and chairs, uh, putting up um, plastic visors and screens in front of the bar. They've got, as Benny McCabe, all of the, Benny McCabe would call the crime scene tape in all of the places where it needs to be. They've got X's in the carpet with the tape telling people you cannot stand here. I mean, it's it's quite extensive. They have uh, maintenance, they have uh, uh, sanitizing at the doors. They've got all sorts of signs down asking people to maintain a safe distance. Like really and truly, the photographs I've seen here, I cannot fault them for the extensive work they've done in the pub. But they also emailed me yesterday saying, and this is interesting because I've continued to get other emails from people who are making allegations against the bar. And some of the allegations we made, I can't even read out on the air because uh, they are just fairly damning and I can't stand over them. But the Harper saying, uh, if you wish to contact Heineken, Diageo and Guinness, they will tell you that they lifted all their products at the beginning of the lockdown because there was nothing going to happen for three months. We ripped the bar out totally to renovate it and to repaint inside. It was a building site up to last Saturday at the Harp Bar. We have CCTV we can download and show you if you require proof. The Guardi arrived on Monday evening after a complaint was made and they found that everything was above board and they even checked our books. Uh, can I tell you that we run a tight ship? If your name is not in the book, no one is getting in. From what I'm hearing, and I think this has to do with what I'm talking about on air, uh, the Harp Bar is saying, there is obviously some sort of a vendetta against us. Uh, then they go on to say, we, cho- we chose to hire a chef and open three weeks earlier and offer and are offering a full Irish breakfast from 9.30 a.m. and serving drink from 10.30 a.m. We also sell wraps and soup and sandwiches in the afternoon. Once the restrictions are lifted, we will keep the chef to offer Sunday lunch and carvery. Also, the Harp Bar is like a community centre with the elderly in the area coming to meet and have a chat in the mornings. We are very community orientated, sponsoring soccer clubs, GA clubs and boxing clubs. If the Harp Bar was to close, these revenue streams would end for the clubs that we support. So that was a response yesterday from the Harp Bar, and I thank them for it. Keep those texts coming. A good one, actually, that got contacted again with, uh, this is by, by WhatsApp. You can text WhatsApp as well, particularly with a voice note uh, on 0868-104-106. But you remember the story down in the Atlantic Pond? Her old tig, little tig fell into the water and then three sisters came along and saved his life. Well, Mammy Louise came back to say, Neil, thanks for your help with locating the girls who helped Tig and myself at the Atlantic Pond. We had a lovely reunion last week at Fitzgerald's Park. They didn't go back to the Atlantic Pond. They visited a new spot, Fitzgerald's Park. as a beautiful photograph of the three, three sisters, Mammy and Tig on a bench um, enjoying what looks like a lot of good sunshine at Fitzgerald's Park. And I'm delighted that you met, uh, met up again under happier times. And Stephen says, talking about Americans coming into Ireland or not, my family and I were queuing for ice cream in Killarney on Sunday. There was a group of eight Americans in front of us in the queue. I decided to start a conversation and ask them where, where, they, where they stuck here for the lockdown. I was shocked when they said, no, we're here on vacation. We only arrived on Friday. Uh, what is the point of us all doing our best when the planes coming in are full? Your man on air with Neil is right. Americans will come on holidays. Some are here already. Can't come on air because I'm at work, but people need to hear this. Please read it out, says Stephen. So, job done and thank you for it. To the phone lines we go. Eileen, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Now, here we go again. Uh, more confusion as if there wasn't enough with face masks and physical distancing. Should we or shouldn't we travel? What's your take on all this? 
Um, I suppose I'm actually kind of really annoyed about it at the moment because I think there's a lot of scaremongering going on, especially now in the last few days when um, Tony Hulum was getting about the spike and it was all due to travel and we can't travel. But actually, you know, if he was honest about that at the time, it was about one family who came in who understood quarantine to be they could get into someone else's car, they could have a family reunion and then go to their apartment. Like, our control and quarantine in this country is a disgrace. And I mean, I have no problem if, the, if we're advised not to travel, if they're actually, if the government and the Department of Health or whoever are protecting the citizens of Ireland, which they are not doing on any level, because the quarantine is pathetic. Because it's like being left up, left up to the individual, is it? But it's, it's ridiculous, Neil, yeah. We would have, and actually, if you read up on it, it says that when you are quarantined, you can go out and do your shop if you have to and it would be you know we'd advise you to stay away from public transport I mean you go to the likes of Budapest and you are you know, someone visits you every day ah yeah that's they, vi- they visit you every day what if you're quarantining or if you have COVID-19 which oh no if you're quarantining so if you if you travel into the country you will be or if, even for um even right. for people coming home you will be the guards visit you every day and photograph you every day and they're on top of it now the people come into this country and there's, you know, maybe someone sitting at the airport with a leaflet going, this is what you need to do, blah, 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 and off they go and that's the end of that. We have English Reds all over the country. We have now a lot of European countries saying they don't want their citizens travelling to Ireland because we have such an open uh, border with the UK for obvious reasons, but also, you know, that's another problem for us. Come here, come the here. Like, like in. The, economy. The, the economy. What? There was a flight in from Dubai yesterday in the States in Dublin Airport. Like, who is controlling who's coming into this country? Well, the, co- the yet- economy needs to have its say, Eileen. You know, people oh, have to I get back that. to work. Businesses but have to get open. But then tell everybody not, you know, there's a lot of scaremongering about travel at the moment, Neil. So people are really terrified to get on a plane for what others might say about them or they shouldn't do it because every time you turn on the radio, it's coming up, we shouldn't travel or the papers or wherever. But that's all very well. But like, like, how can you say don't travel on one hand and yet have the country wide open on the other hand so there's no protection for the citizens of Ireland? I have no problem with people coming in, but they have to quarantine. Like, if that's the rule that's in there, especially countries who, like, who have a high level of COVID at the moment, who are having difficulty, you know, getting it under control. To say that people are coming in from the States, there are no words to describe my feelings in that one. Well, they are, apparently. That's what I'm being told. Yeah, and, and that was last Friday. They arrived, and he spoke to them whatever day. Where does the quarantining come into that? Zero. Yeah, there's none. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. So where is the protection for our citizens? What's that? an American no coming protection. over here on holidays when they know that if they come on holidays, they have to go into quarantine for a fortnight? Sure, they're not. And they do. Of course they're not. They're not. But, but that's where we're at. It's just like we can't go there. But that's what I'm asking. You know what is it like, like, maybe there are some of them. Maybe there's a few of them. But there's not the huge amount, say, from last summer. Now that could change. But even on July 9th, Neil, I can't it only America. Takes one. It only takes one. I mean, if we're not going to follow up on our quarantining here, what is the point? And how can the government and the HSE tell the people of Ireland you can't go anywhere, but we're going to let everybody in here? Mm, mm. I just think it's so wrong and so unfair, and I think the scaremongering really has to stop. Like, if there was a spike last week, absolutely. But when that was explained, days later, you know, that explained very well. There was one family came in, met all their family. There was over 15 or 16 cases because of that one event. Yet I was talking to older people who were actually getting really scared again, saying it's spiking now and it's all about travel and no one can travel. And it's just very contradictory. 
Well, it's not spiking. It isn't doing that. Of course it's not, but that's what they were saying, though. No. I mean, the whole message around... We were 11 days free of COVID diagnosis in Cork, but that changed yesterday with one. You know what? Just before I let you go, just a couple of texts here, because this is your area of expertise, young people. The 69 people that were videoed coming out of a house party in Limerick, yeah? Um, Three guards went in. Like, another one here. This happened in Waterford on Saturday. Sixty teens left a house. The guards asking them to move on was a waste of time. They just moved on to the next free house or partied on the green and continued partying. They don't have a care in the world. Just wait until it hits them. That's one of them. Another one here then, uh, which says, uh, were any of them charged? Were they checked for underage drinking? Where were the consequences? They definitely just came out of the house, laughed and moved on to the next party. Somebody else describing a get-together down in the uh, woolen mills of 60 teens congregating together. It was quite intimidating. Uh, Somebody else talking about another party. uh, Oh, here, 5 o'clock Sunday morning. There was at least 15, maybe 20 of them, early 20s, past my house. They were leaving a party at 5 in the morning. Another 6 to 10 of them came along about an hour later, which totals at least 30 from the same Cork house. What's going, what's going on with the young people? There's no boundaries in them either. I mean, they have no fear for the guards. Absolutely none. As I said to you before a few weeks ago, where are the army? Can we not get a bit of control here and show a little bit of respect? Because there's obviously no respect whatsoever, no fear. Um, no understanding that they actually do matter in this situation. But should the guards have taken the name and address and looked for the 100%. ID of every one of them? A hundred percent. Sent them a I mean, fine for maybe 300 bucks or something. 350 something. a week's COVID payment, maybe. Well, you see, <laughs> let's not start going down that road. We have so many 20-year-old kids who have 350 euros cash in their pockets every week just to spend. It's all insane. It's all wrong. And it's a very dangerous position to put these kids in. But I would feel very sad for a lot of the young people. And a lot of them have been amazing. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely amazing. But there are a large group now. And unfortunately, then once a few start, it rolls on and more and more and more. And they, they feel it's over. That's their understanding. It's over because they are running. You know, the parties are going on left, right, centre in every city of the country. Okay. And if somebody doesn't show them that there are consequences for their actions, this is only going to get worse. Appreciate that. As always, Eileen Halley from Jumpstart Your Confidence. Jen says, it's going on all over the place. Two Saturdays ago, I had to ring the guards in Douglas. Me, my husband and two girls had pulled into the woolen mills to pick up dinner. And a gang of about 60, I hope you weren't clamped in there when you went in to pick up dinner. But anyway, a group of about 60 of them were congregated together. It was quite intimidating. We took out the phone to order our food in the car when all of a sudden a circle formed and two boys started beating their heads off each other with all of the others just standing around clapping and cheering. I got such a fright, I laid on the horn as did another driver near me. They simply stopped fighting, and like zombies, the circle broke up, but the teens stayed where they were. They didn't even look in the direction of my car or the other car, who had beeped as well. They weren't at all put out by this. I was so upset, as were the little girl, my little girls. We phoned the guardies straight away. Needless to say, we didn't get dinner that night. These kids are our future, are they? And they're a complete disgrace. Their parents must be either unbelievably stupid, or if they don't know what their delinquents are up to, perhaps they don't care. Uh, and I fear it's probably the latter. Thanks for that. Liana says the two-story house that you're referring to with 69 young people coming out of it, they could easily have been physically distancing in there. It was a two-story house after all. <laughs> I despair. Like I just give up. Carmel, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Tell Neil, me about your cruise. Um, about my cruise now, Neil, there's people on the radio there and not one person mentioned about holiday insurance about how they fix with the holiday insurance 
and I was here and I got his present for a truth for my birthday. Okay, it's not a great phone line now. Just move around oh, a little bit. Yeah, move around a little I bit. Got, I got the present of a truth for my birthday and um, I, I thought it was a lovely surprise yeah. and I was here and Leo, it's an old tea shop, he lifted the pins on the 1st of July yeah. and never lifted the borders. He should have lifted the borders and the crew uh, the flights together. When you say borders, what are you talking about? Like um, quarantining? Yeah, going, yeah, yeah. quarantining. Yeah. And next thing I was here and I was up to the 90s. I nearly was packing up because it was a gift I got. And I didn't want my money back because I won't take back a gift off someone. And I was saying, what will I do? What will I do? So I said, oh, I could go to Holiday Insurance in February. And we were there, and I um, phoned them, and I explained my case. I said to them, I'm here, and I'm up to the 90s. I got the present of a cruise. I don't know what's happening, because the health service, Mr. Hooligan, is saying, advising us not to go. Yes. And the T-shirt is after opening the flights. So she said, you go by your... Head of your country, the tea shop is the person. As long as the tea shop says it's up to yourself to travel, he's leaving it up to us, and the insurance bill will leave it up to me if I want to go in office. The cruises are supposed to be back, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. And it's up to me to decide to go on my cruise. If I go on my cruise, my holiday insurance will cover me fully. For what? Sickness, is it? Yes, and if I have the coronavirus, hopefully never I will get it, or I'm nervous of it. And hopefully after last night, it was the show, it was desperate, and the night before. But if I, if I get sick and get it, I will be, because my insurance was out before the coronavirus. Okay, okay, so your insurance will cover you, but yes, that's of little... Yes, if you had out before the coronavirus. If you took out the insurance before yes. coronavirus, yeah. Okay. But, but that's of no consolation to you if you die. Oh, I know that, Neil. No, but up to the 28th of March, the insurance decided we're not covering the coronavirus anymore. Now, if I go, now, I would like, okay, I would like to go, but that was my dream all my life to be on the the cruise. Now, if Michael Martin turns around and says there's no one going on the cruise, whatever about any other place, but Michael Martin will have to come out and tell me I'm advising you not to, not to go. And then will the insurance company give you back your money? I think will be covered by the, the cruise is going, the flights are going, they're giving me my meeting, my insurance then will step in. Okay. Because I have that on my policy. Okay, I and just, okay, fair enough. So we'll have to see what they do in the coming days or yes. week or so. But where was the, where was the cruise to? Um, it was going from Barcelona. It was going to, oh, don't ask me, some of the countries down in but I always wanted to see Naples. It's a Mediterranean uh, cruise then. Yeah. yeah. So you'll be on a cruise ship, stuck on board a ship, with lots of other people from lots of other countries going into different ports and walking around different cities. 
Like, are you not worried yes. about that? Michal Martin, the Taoiseach, not the health service, no one. Michal Martin will have to come out and tell me you're cruising going this year. Whatever about next year. Now, it'd be up to me then to try to go into my travelling agency and ask them. I would not give back my cruise um, present. I will go in and try to move my... Um, to another day. Okay. holiday okay. agency and ask them, would they do me a favour try to postpone it till next year? Well, I, I wouldn't want to be I, on a cruise ship now. No, I wouldn't care tonight. I wouldn't be... I would not... I would not like to be on a cruise ship. Yeah. And where it went wrong in the, in the holidays was the flight and the, the um, thing one moved. That was fine. Then a week later, Mr. Coolhan came out as poison. They're not going by the health service. They're going to buy, buy the T-shirt. Okay, we'll and see what he has to say. Okay. Okay. It's fair enough. It's the T-shirt is running us. I'm running the country. Okay, and we'll wait and see. All right, come back to me when you have anything, some more clarification as to whether you're traveling. I my policy, or it's down on my policy. It's all the pins and the... Government. And the government. government. All right, okay, thanks for that, Carmel. A Mediterranean cruise. I mean, if you were getting on board one today, you probably wouldn't want to go because you don't know who the other people picking up in different ports and you'd be walking around different parts of the world, of Europe and... You know, it's different if you go on a holiday for a fortnight and you pick your own spots and you stay there or you stay on the beach or you're by the pool or you're segregated in your hotel. But I think cruise ships and moving around like that, ooh, dodgy enough. Um, have these parents, uh, have these kids any parents, the ones in the videos, the young ones wearing half nothing? Well, that's pretty normal now. That's the style and the fashion that they wear. You can't stop fashion. What they need is a good kick up the backside. The guard should have rounded them all up in the back of paddy wagons and escorted them all home and find the parents. Uh, 69 kids, let's say 70. How many would you get into a paddy wagon? I suppose you might get six. You need 10 paddy wagons anyway. Uh, this is our future. No brain cells between the lot of them. Um, I think to a large extent, they just felt, many of them, and certainly at this point in time, that it's all over or it had nothing to do with them. Uh, calls are open, or calls are welcome, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 086-8104-106. Mind you, Owen says, isn't it true that 50 people are allowed indoors now? Isn't that permitted? There wasn't much more people than that in the house in the video. Um, 50 people indoors, yeah, but not not in a three-bedroom terraced house, I think. No, that's not the way it should be. It's okay to have thousands of people walking the streets in protest, but a house party of 30 people is a big no-no. Ah, fair enough, it wasn't 30. It was over double that. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. No one says leave the kids, have their party. They're going to starve to death anyway when the government stops the COVID payments in August and when there's a massive section of their parents who haven't got work to go back to. They'll have no money then. Tony says this kind of carry-on is happening all over the south side, particularly on Barrick Street on a daily basis. Declan Corbett has Corbett Court Hotel, a restaurant and a good spot for a breakfast. Joins me by phone. Declan, good morning. Good morning, Niall. Firstly, how's business been since you reopened? With uh, yeah. certainly, Certainly your seating is reduced, right? Yeah, it's quite good, Niall. We opened two days ago. And you must remember, uh, we would, in the Secorber Court in Kilworth, we would have 340 seats normally. So we're now down to 155 seats. 
and they, they said the Corbett Court in Bally Hay would have maybe 330 seats. We're down now to maybe 150 there. So, like, this has done terrible damage to, to restaurants, boutiques, barbers, every, everything. You know, we're all suffering because... Have you put two metres between the tables then, is it? Oh, yeah, I have now. A good two metres, I have. At least I can afford to do that because we have the space. Some aren't, but though. I, Some are leaving it at a metre. Are you aware of that? I, I'm aware of that now, yeah, but at least we can do that. And I feel that if we leave it a meter, you know, people, you know, people are very, people are fearful at the moment, Niall. Are they fearful so, coming in then? Do they have a look around? Are they kind of apprehensive? Yeah, say, we'd have got loads of phone calls in the last two days, Niall. And I tell you the phone calls, you know, how long can we stay? Is it just 105 minutes? We've been asked many times, uh, is, is it two meters? We've been asked loads of times, uh, you know, if four of us comes in, does three of us have to stay in the car? Do we have to book a table? Now, we don't, we tell everybody, listen, our restaurants are very big. You don't need to book a table. Just come straight in and we give you the good service. We always give you. There is absolutely no problem. But see, that's a but silly my, thing to ask you. Four of us come to three of to stay in the car. Like, where, where no, they they, 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 no, it's not nine. And I'll tell you why. They're being given mixed messages. And I blame one person for that and one person only. And that's the, the chief medical officer, Tony, Tony Holohan. Tony, uh, it's beggar's belief how Tony Holohan is is left in his job so long. This guy wouldn't run a duck house. Like, what he's going to do is, if Tony Holden is left in his job any longer, Niall, the whole country is going to be shut down. Now, I, I'm friendly with Rehal Martin because he's a good customer at the Corbett Court. I tried his office several times just to that, but I can understand. He was too busy to come on the phone and talk to me. And what I was going to say to Michal is, I was going to say, Michal, please, for the sake of the country, I want you to get up to Dublin today and sack Tony Holden. He has the country destroyed. And I tell you why, Niall. Uh, last February, the dogs in the streets knew the problem was in Italy. And there was one good thing done. They stopped the, the, the match between Ireland and Italy. But what, what, what did Tony Holohan do then? He allowed 3,000 Italians to come in to Temple Bar the following weekend and spread the virus all over Dublin. Now, he done worse than that. Then everybody knew. It was so obvious when the Cheltenham Racing Festival was on. He allowed 20,000 Irish people to go out to Cheltenham. They have subsequently back. said, I don't know how they know this, but they've subsequently said that Cheltenham and those that travelled did not in any way impact the COVID numbers in Ireland. No, that is not true. That is not true, Niall, uh, because I have looked at evidence. Uh, the, the, the biggest problem with the Cheltenham in particular was in places like Meat and Kildare. There was three pubs in particular that was very badly hit. So, yes, they brought back thousands of cases. But, in, Niall, it, the Italian flights had been stopped at an early stage. Now, Leo... And Harris made a statement very early on that they were totally dependent on Tony, Tony Holden, the chief medical officer. Yeah. No, that was a mistake. They no, same in the UK. That. All countries follow their medical officers. You have to follow medical advice, people who are trained in the area. You can't have a politician but, making a call on medical matters. Exactly. So this guy is not up to it. He's not... He's, he's not capable of this job. And what I was going to say to Michal Martin... Well, last time I checked, that. it was Dr. Tony Holohan. Not... Uh, I, I accept that Leo Varadkar is a, a, a GP... But I'm, I'm assuming that Tony Hole in many areas did a good job with regards to locking us down. He, he done a good job. All he done locking us down is that and destroying the country. That's the good job he done tonight. You take it. He bolted to the door when the house had left the stable. That's what he done. If he acted when he should have, Tony Holden in the month of February, that's when he should have acted. But he didn't. He was asleep at the wheel. So, Niall, what has happened now was, like, as I said, we're down to half our seats. You take it boutiques. You take it uh, barbers. Take it everything. They're so badly hit, Niall. Would you usually have a lot of tour buses and coaches arriving? 
Yeah, we're not going to have them no more now for, the, for this year. We're not going to have the matches. You know, no, there's no other restaurant going to have the matches. Say, okay, in Corbury Court, you always have the, 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 the you know, from Turles and all that. We won't have them this year. But now, it, it's just the mixed messages that this... No, sure, I know. The old. travel messages are very mixed, yeah. Yeah, yeah but, but now, you know, you said there about, about uh, people asking these small questions. He's sending out mixed... I'll give you one example. He's sending out mixed messages every day of the week. Like, what he done was, take it to boutiques now, and I know loads of boutiques, and we probably have the best boutiques in, in Ireland, in Cork, in Thermai and Mitchellstown and Charlesburg. But just just take it. What he done was, he allowed, said the likes of Dunn stores to sell drapery, to sell clothes. Yeah. So people could walk into Dunn stores, they could buy anything they want. All the local boutiques spent thousands for Mother's Day, for communes, confirmations. They left it all with all these. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I it, could never understand that, why the bigger multiples were able to sell all sorts of different department fo- clothing and sorry. footwear and kitchenware and everything, while those that specifically sold those in smaller establishments had to close. Maybe it had to do with space to move around in the bigger business. Businesses, you know, but, Niall, yeah, but it's the same story again. Niall. The big business is always helped, not the small business. Take it flower shops, uh, Niall, and garden centres, right? They had to close, and done stores, all the supermarkets was allowed to sell all their flowers, which was totally wrong. Yeah. And if you go in, I, 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 I challenge anybody in County Cork today, Niall, to walk into any supermarket, and you, you know the sprays they have at the door. They're supposed to be 70% alcohol. That's the only thing that will kill this virus, if you have it in your hands. There isn't one supermarket in County Cork today that has them at the door. What they have is at the door is cheap kitchen spray that would absolutely kill nothing. Like, the, the jail every restaurant has to have, and we have, and every, and every boutique and every barber has, is a, is a 70-75% alcohol yeah, gel. I mean, I got us. I, was, I, was, I found it incredible. I went into Woody's there last week, and uh, the... the, the the sanitizer that you push at the front door had a sign on it saying out of order. I just couldn't exactly. believe that could be allowed to happen. I was in a supermarket just tonight and I, and I you know, I put my, my, my hand under this thing and all bubbles came out. I was looking for tissues to try and dry my hands. And, and I do read the ingredients because I would know, you know, like most people, they would know what the ingredients is. That kitchen cleaner, every supermarket has at the door now, it's only costing them 50 cents. You take it a proper gel that we have and every other restaurant and barber shop and boutique has is costing them 12 euros for a 500 mil. And that doesn't, that would only maybe last one day. Yeah, you, you, you are aware that some hairdressers, and I have some angry texts and comments here regarding hairdressers and barbers who have put their prices up, or prices up by some cases up to a fiver because they claim, oh, we have to charge you extra now because we're providing sanitizers. No, yes, because they're doing a right job. They, they, as I said, they're paying 12 euros at least for that 500 mil, which only lasts them one day. So there's but one surely they could be incorporating that kind of nonsense into their price. It's not as if you, 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 like they're not charging people for the use of loo roll or anything like that. So it's, it's an insult to the loyalty of their customers to be charging them extra money. Okay, no, I'm not a barber hairdresser, but they're paying. But you, like, would you put that. would you put a euro or two euro on a meal under the pretense that oh we're now providing sanitizers and we have less tables? No, I'm not in the Carver Court. We're dropping some of our prices in order to get customers back in and try and give them a, a good experience. That's what we're doing. Right. But no, it's not going to it's not going to pay us. I understand why barbers and I understand why hairdressers has to do it. Nile, they're paying thirteen and a half percent fast. That is bloody lunacy. And they've got nothing from the government. You take it, Nile. We were promised a grant of up to ten thousand euros from the county council, right? Yeah. We didn't get we didn't get that. But I got a phone call two weeks ago from a member of the county council saying uh, you've applied for the grant I said that's right when are we going to get the cheque and he said will you do me a favour I said what, what, what favour when you get the cheque will you mind paying your rate bill 
So look, you know, you want to, you want me to give me a check, and then I have to make out a bigger check for a raise. That made no sense to me. Take it out of Ireland. Every small business now you've got twenty five thousand pounds, and they got one year free rates. You Did they really? Twenty five grand in a yeah, year off their rates? Yeah, exactly. You take it hairdressers again now. Like, you know, take thirteen and a half percent VAT. They should, they should have no VAT at the moment. So I just hope with me on Martin that he. he all reduces right. the vest and gives the small business a chance. And sacks Tony Holan. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Got to move on. Good to catch up. Uh, open for business at the Corbett Court hotels and restaurants, and there are two of them in North Cork. Meanwhile, let me go. Oh, can I go to Malaga? Actually, David Jones is out there at the moment. David, good morning. Morning, Neil. Little bit of a delay. We'll get over that. Are you on your holidays? Yeah, I'm on the holidays. We booked in January, and we were hoping to get over here during the COVID thing, and you know. Ireland gets cancelled off flights and we rebook with Ryanair and we arrived last Friday. Okay, so you went out Friday morning out of Cork to Malaga, is it? Yeah. What was the flight like? Were there many on board? Yeah, it was more than half full. There wasn't many young families. Uh, they were serving food on the plane. And um, just like any other flight, you just have your mask on. That's this. And were know? some of the seats not available? Like, were they blocked off, the middle one? No, no. no. Were you sitting next to anybody that you didn't know, for instance? Yeah. Did you, did you find it a Did you find that bit weird, though? Nah, look. I mean, I could walk down the street or in the supermarket, standing next to someone as well, and I'll be all little, you know. Okay. So. Did you clean down your table and your armrests and stuff like that? On the plane. Yeah. And we had the hand sanitizer good and we man. had our own wipes and stuff. Good man, so good man, yeah, yeah. Did, April, you know. did, fair play. Yeah. And did people have masks on them? Oh, everyone had a mask on, Okay, yeah. fantastic. So what's it like in Malaga then? Like, is it busy? What have you been doing? I was in Marbella yesterday. Um, I was and then in the sea for a swim. We had our own <coughs> private pool as well. And we were in there with the kids. So we went for lunch then on the beach. It was 30 degrees. Kids were playing in the sea, and we were sitting down having a drink. Did so, you get your own place, like a villa or your own house? Is it? Yeah, yeah. I got a villa, in Malaga, and there's an apartment as well in um, Marbella that we had access to. So we had access to a private pool on a private beach there as well. And then in the evening, we just strolled around Marbella, and uh, I went into a pub for a pint and watched the match. The wife went down the beach. What match did you watch? Is, is it the Liverpool match you watched? As United Romans on, I just there. I just stayed there for the first half. Had a couple of points. Met a guy from Cork actually. Uh, his name is Mark. His parents own the pub. Uh, they're from Skull, and he arrived on the Monday of last week. So okay. he said he was the first to arrive from Cork um, to Malaga. You know. Okay. So, uh, and when yeah. you were like when you were in the pub, was it busy? Did they have uh, the nah. two meter rule, or was it? Did you have to have food nah. to get a pint? No. No. No, I, I think this thing with this nine euro thing at home is if you have to spend nine euro, nine euro to get a point, Jesus, those fellas there, they might not have nine euro a day, like, you know, so they might have two points. Indeed. Yeah, you know, but if that's so. the case, there's a, they need to wait till the 21st of July. See, that's the thing there. So, no, but try, try, telling, try telling that to a pensioner then, like, you know, who, who his only social outlet is going down to go off a GA club for a couple of points in the evening, like, you know, this kind of thing. So, but look, it, 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 it's fine over here anyway. Like, I mean, you know, okay. if you want to eat, if you want to drink, they're very disciplined. It's very safe. You know, if you're going into a shop, you wear a mask. If you're walking along the streets, you don't need to wear a mask, but most people do. 
And then what I found as well is if you're walking down the street normally to wear the mask, you might take the mask off. Or if they're all wearing masks, you might put it on. You know, so then there's that, there's that bit, of, bit of discipline as well. And there's the police, you know, there's the police force in Spain. I mean, the guards aren't up to the standard of all at home, really, when it comes to it. You know, they're, they're a bit old-fashioned and outdated, but you know what the police force in Spain are like. You know, they don't, they don't take crap, really. Like, no, they don't. No, no, yeah. So, yeah. So, and that's what's missing at home. And if you go... I think, and the good police force. Well, it's not the fault of the guardy that their powers are limited. You realise that, like... This legislation. No, I'm not saying. I'm, I'm not saying. Of the, I'm not saying it's about powers. I'm saying they're outdated. You know. And 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 anyway, I don't think that they're like you know that there was a, there's house parties going on here on a grand scale where you have forty and fifty and in one case sixty nine young fellas and girls trooped out of a house yeah. there recently. But I don't even think the guards have powers to find them. You know, the, whatever power they had to find people was during lockdown and travel yeah. restrictions. But when you go into a restaurant, um, is there two meters between you and the next table? Well, on the beach, no, yesterday, there was, yeah. Well, on the promenade, was not. Outdoors, there isn't, yeah. 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 So you're, you're we were outdoors. We, we, we were outdoors on the beach as well yesterday, you know, but there seemed to be two metres, I noticed that there were two metres between the tables, but down the promenade, the bar down in El Condado, there where we're staying in the Kilkenny Bar, the Irish Bar, it's right at the corner there. I so know that bar, actually. The tables yeah. were packed, yeah, yeah. You know that place, so, yeah, that, that was packed and, you know, all Spanish there as well. There's not many Irish or English. But sure, what happens if you're if you're in a packed bar like that and you're up against a load of Spaniards and you get COVID nineteen, you bring it back to Cork. Should have to get it off me. <laughs> all right. no, but, no. Okay, all right. And when you come back, you you're, you need to quarantine for a fortnight. That's right. I mean, where are you doing after the ninth of July? Well, I mean, assuming that you're not coming back before the ninth of July, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'll be back afterwards. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks for the update. So, so look, if, if I if I get sick, I'll I go to the doctor. You know, it's, and it's the same as normal. You know, so you know. Look, I, I, the only thing I can say is I'm delighted I'm here. We booked it in January, and we waited a long time to go go away for two weeks, and then we're here. So look, time was right for us. The flights were available. Everything is cancelled there. So I'd just like to thank Ryanair for uh, the service for getting us out here and. Uh, I look forward to my holidays here now. I right. advise everybody who can do it, do it safely and come away over and have a good time. Okay, 30 right. degrees, sunshine and blue skies. Thanks for that, David. Appreciate it. Enjoy your holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Take care. The lines open at 1-850-104-106. Let me say, I love the show. Uh, I'm so angry this morning. I booked into my local hairdresser here in West Cork this week. I have been a loyal client for 10 years in this salon. And I read on Facebook that I'm now going to be charged an extra fiver on top of my regular bill of up to 240 euro plus a fiver, depending on whether I buy products. Uh, that's a total ripoff and an insult to my loyalty to the salon. What are you saying that if you buy products, which would be kind of hair care products, I assume, and stuff like that, they won't charge you the fiver. I'm now cancelling my booking and I'm going elsewhere because of the five euro extra charge for sanitizer and a mask. It's the principle, actually, says Linda, not the fiver. I have been to both dentists and doctors here in my town and I've been provided with both sanitizer and mask and no charge. Rant over. Keep up the good work. Number one fan. Morning, Neil. I noticed that all the barber shops that opened the other day have increased their prices by a couple of euro. Can you please highlight this on your show? Maybe find out why they've increased the prices. Some of the staff are probably getting the wage subsidy scheme as well as everything else. It could well be that business is down and they've got limited custom and they have to increase the prices by a couple of lops 
just to stay afloat or they may have increased the prices because of um, all of the different cleaning uh, regimes that they've introduced there. Uh, or maybe they're just trying it on. Pick, take your pick. I passed a barber in the city yesterday and worryingly there was not a single face covering or mask to be seen on either staff or customers inside. Couldn't believe it. It looked exactly as it did before the pandemic. Like times were normal. The premises was the premises are extremely small. There was no physical distancing whatsoever between customers waiting and no distancing between all of those queuing at the door. It was pure madness. I saw I saw some of those queues yesterday actually. Particularly outside the Turkish barbers. People queuing up the street. I mean, in fairness, the, the one particular queue that I did see where they were queuing outside a Turkish barber, people were staying apart, in fairness to the men involved. Back after the break, we got calls on the way. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. I'm just referencing the guards there and the Spanish police uh, reading the last conversation, but there is a, a court report in the Echo this morning, and I like to see this, and I like to see judges get tough on stuff like this, where the guards, uh, guardi who were verbally abused and called pigs by a teenager who got aggressive with them near his home uh, was yesterday jailed for a total of four months for this and for other crimes. Uh, he, gave, he got four months. The judge imposed an overall sentence of four months. He pleaded guilty to this guy to handling stolen property uh, and stuff like that. But what I call Russell, um, and uh, he was before Judge Olin Kelleher for threatening and abusive behavior to the Gardaí, handling a stolen bicycle on another occasion, breaking into a car on a third incident, but by all accounts, around midnight on the 23rd of June, Gardy approached the accused up in Gron. Uh, he was drunk and a danger. Um, the guard involved, Sergeant Davis, said, uh, Russell shouted, uh, F off pigs and leave me alone. He then tried to run away from Gardy, staggering into two parked cars, but um, a bit more respect for the guard of Chacon, I think, don't you agree? Uh, and then uh, the best story of them all, though, that I've seen all day long, and I didn't get to this earlier, is a beautiful article by Sarah Horgan in The Echo today. A great friend of the program and a person that I would like to be able to call a friend because I visited her um, recently, with uh, some years back with, with Finbar Wright, and we had a great whole time of it. And all the neighbours came in and we had tea and cake and a sing-song. I'm talking about Mary McGrath who uh, recently had her 104th birthday, and I wished her a happy birthday at the time. Well, yesterday, 104-year-old Mary McGrath had her first social outing since the arrival of the coronavirus last March. And where did she go? Only to the Model Farm Bar and Bistro. Uh, Not too far from where I'm sitting right now, a good spot. At 104 years of age, in she went for a spot of lunch. Needs no glasses to read the menu. And says she, when she was in there, the beef, the beef in here is absolutely lovely. Um, And despite her impressive vintage, she was able to read without glasses and had a beautiful lunch. And Danny and Geraldine apparently were there as well, two friends of hers, right? And apparently Danny and Geraldine had been taking care of Mary during the lockdown for all of the different things she needed, including delivering Lennox's takeaway to her door three times a week. What would what would Mary have now? Would it be fish and chips or a burger and chips or a potato pie and chips? What would she probably fish and chips, I would think. Despite um, you know, her her uh, lunch yesterday, her life is super duper, you know, in spite of the last three months. She took COVID nineteen in her stride. And I remember talking to her way back in the day and the examiner or the Echo article talks about it that she worked in Jennings Lemonade Company for years and years. Uh, and she loved the bicycle. She would jump up on her bike and she'd cycle for hours and hours. She said, On my one hundred and fourth birthday, the Gardi came to visit me and one of them brought a cake. I think it's a lovely story. Wonderful Barrick Street woman. 
who got out to the Model Farm Bar and Bistro yesterday and was welcomed there with lunch and a bouquet of roses. And she celebrated her first pub lunch since the easing of restrictions at 104. She's taken it all and takes life in her stride. It's a beautiful article and delighted to see that she got out yesterday and was treated to a lovely, lovely lunch. So morning to you, Mary. Don't know whether you're listening or not, but I hope you are. Lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text 86 And we'll plough on between now and midday. Let's go back to the phone line, shall we? Des, good morning. Hey, good morning to you, Nick. The, 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 the ferries coming in, these aren't cruise ships, sure they're not? No, these are daily ferries that are coming into Dublin, um, eight per day, to and from the UK. Not a great line, okay. So that's the free access that the UK has to Ireland, right? Yes, but as well as that, no. there are ferries coming in from France and coming in from Spain, and, and these are leaving people freely into this country. No, we're 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 now talking every minute and hour of the day about flights. Flights bring in unlimited amount. A ferry can bring in a th- each ferry can bring could bring in a thousand passengers to fifteen hundred passengers per day yeah. to and from. And now the position. So that's upwards of ten thousand if they're full, I suppose. Exactly. Well, they gave some figures yesterday. In the last month, there were thirty-four thousand uh, entered Ireland. And they didn't come in by plane. Because give me, give me that plane. stat again. 34,000 people, what? Came in to this country. 34,000 came in from, from this on a, on a weekly basis. Once a week, there's over, over 34,000 people coming into Ireland. Exactly. On boats and, and planes. And, and, well, I'm not talking about planes. No, I'm talking about boats only. Uh, planes, uh, okay. they're limited. 34,000 are coming in on ferries every week. That's right. Wow. And, and the position is that Mr. Houlihan is is never referring to the ferries. The government are never referring to the ferries. And this is free for all. No, remember, we, we have ferries coming into Belfast and those passengers, half of them could be coming over the border into Ireland. And um, do you think that they're coming here to holiday? Not necessarily that they might have caravans and camper they're vans. Coming, no, they're coming in, they're coming in uh, on business as well. And you know, trade people in particular, you know, coming in with their with trade units and all that sort of thing. Like but there are tourists here. I mean, I was having, I had some dinner down down in Port McGee on Monday night, and uh, I was sitting two, maybe three meters away from a Spanish family, husband, wife, and two small children. That's right. But you even go down to West Cork and see how many people are are there from Dublin, and and also also visitors to Scull and Barleycove and all these. But so they're allowed to be here from Dublin. That's that's okay. No, but there are people from the UK as well. Okay. Like most of the most of the the properties down English owned properties down in West Cork, uh, the residents are there. They're after coming from the UK, and the only way they could have come was through the ferries. Because they have their cars with them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. and, and Mr. Hull, you know, is 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 giving breakdowns every single day, and it's, I'm led to believe that very few people died of the virus. It could be down. To- okay. Okay, it's breaking. You're breaking up on me. My apologies, Des. I covered as much as I could with a dodgy phone line. Thank you for it. Why do we bother with regulations at all, says Annette? This is all a waste of time. I feel so sorry for all of the businesses that have spent a fortune following regulations, and I feel sorry for all of the frontline. Uh, workers, um, I suppose the regulations over the last few months made a big difference to not swamping the frontline workers, perhaps. Quarantine isn't being enforced, says Florence. Look at the way Americans are behaving in their own country with their Muppet leader 
telling them to get back to normal. Uh, Brian says people just keep up. Uh, people should just keep up their physical distancing, social distancing. Carry on about your day. People shouldn't be watching what other people are doing. People just just look after their own life and their own family. It's the best and safest thing to do. I suppose that's back to the old saying, cop on, isn't it? A bit of cop on. Marie says, what about quarantine rules? I can't travel back to France and my family and friends are not allowed to come to Ireland because of COVID-19. But Americans are allowed to travel into this country. And that, from an American perspective, should be totally unacceptable considering their numbers. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now, 1850-104-106, Red FM. Okay, it's 1st of July today, and I started this morning uh, giving you an idea as to the different flights that will now go out of Cork Airport from today. They announced 23 destinations starting from today, and there's going to be some big differences as well as to how the flights will be run. But 23 destinations back on the card from today. Uh, you're talking about Alicante, Bordeaux, Budapest, Carcassonne, Faro, Girona, Gdansk, Katowice, Lanzarote, Liverpool, uh, hang on a second, London, Gatwick, uh, London, Luton, London, Stansted, Las Palmas, Malaga, Malta, Milan, Bergamo, Naples, Palma, Poznan, Rus, I always wonder if I'm pronouncing that right, Tenerife and Wroclaw. Uh, that's quite an amount of flights that Ryanair are operating out of Cork, mind you. It could only be about 40% full. But you'll be required to wear a mask or a face covering through your entire journey from arrival at the airport during the flight to exiting the terminal building at your destination. So 23 from Ryanair, the kickstart today. As a retired salon owner, Sean says, I have to agree with regards to putting an extra charge on the use of extra products. I certainly don't agree with a blanket fee on it, but every case will be different. Hair, for instance, grows at different rates. No client will have the same amount of regrowth as another. Those who have self-treated their hair and went horribly wrong will have to pay for correction work. These are the reasons why maybe some salons are like Peter Marx got into a lot, lot of trouble when they were talking about you know, charging 40 and 60 euro to fix the stuff you did yourself or if you had more than two centimeters of roots. Anyway, Sean says, you know, to fix these things it can be expensive, more time consuming and extremely stressful for the stylist. I mean, why would it be extremely stressful for the stylist? Uh, anyway, I'm not a stylist, so I don't know. Why, why do we use the word stress? Like stress is, you know, a sick child or a cancer diagnosis, isn't it? I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. Um, anyway, the final book falls at the foot of the professional who did the best rectify, best to rectify your ballsed up situation at home. The whole thing will end up in see you in court scenario. Don't be too hard on the salons, Neil, who charge extra where and when it's absolutely necessary. Tubes of color vary in price, just like prices vary in pennies and brown thomas. That's all I have to say today. Boy, am I glad to be retired and enjoying the sun in Tenerife. If I were to face next week into Sean and Sue's salon, my, my blood pressure would be sky high. In spite of 43 years as a salon owner, things do go belly up. And I wish the stylists, as they're back at work, the greatest luck in the world. You're certainly going to need it, says Sean in Tenerife. Then, uh, regarding those that are over here holidaying from various people, Susan says, and she's down in West Cork. West Cork has people over from Mexico. And there are lots down here from the UK. One local said to me yesterday that it was, like to, it was like trying to spot the local. There are so many tourists in West Cork. Watch the numbers rise in cases now after this. It's just crazy. I'll be in West Cork at the weekend. I'm staying at the Eccles in Glengareth and I plan to tour around as best I can. 
So I'll be listening out for accents as I go about in my travels. Uh, Marie says, I heard from someone who met Americans in Killarney. They got chatting to them. They said they flew into Belfast, hired a car and travelled down to the south. There you have it. Uh, Let me stay with those kind of calls if you don't mind. Uh, Marie, good morning. Hi, good morning, Night. Okay, uh, tourists, um, are you in Killarney? I'm not in Killarney at all. I'm calling from Conteers Common. Oh, I'll be darned. Okay, so <laughs> thank you for thank you for listening. What have you got to share with me regarding particularly American tourists? Um, well, it's tourists on the overall. I'm a French citizen. I've been living in Ireland for the, the last eight years. I used to live in Cork. And I, I was shocked when I read the message morning about those American tourists, how come they managed to enter the country? I don't understand that. We have quarantine. We have people being banned to travel to Ireland or to Europe. And I don't understand how non-European citizens have been allowed to enter the country. I, I don't get... Well, like they, they have to fill in the form, right? And then s- sign it and give a declaration that they will quarantine. And they have to write down where they're going to be staying. But they could, you could write anything down on a form. Of course. It's like when you apply for the visa to go to the U.S., you can enter anything you want on your, on your form. It's just a computer. Yeah. But it's just it's everybody's responsibility to to apply those rules. You know, I think the last the, the last yeah, the should be to go on holiday. I, I don't. I don't I don't know. Bad phone lines this morning, lads. So we need to be careful with that. Move around, Marie. Marie Eve. I'm so, can you hear me now? Yes, thank you. Yeah, I just. I don't think you know. I've watched the RT documentary last night about those people who have been working and keep working so hard to save lives. And I think the last thing we want to do is go on holiday. I've I've heard this guy on the you know just a few minutes ago who is in Malaga on holiday who is planning to come back after the ninth of July. But to be honest, I don't think he would be in quarantine even if he comes back before the 9th of July. It's, it's very important. This disease is it's not a joke. And we need to be really responsible about it. And it's either we are all in quarantine or we're not. Mm. My family doesn't come at the minute. I had two flights cancelled in April and in June. And I don't, I don't even know when I'm going to be able to go to France. As we go for September, I'm not 100% sure I'm going to go and leave my family. My parents haven't seen their granddaughter since December. And I don't know when I'm they, they haven't seen their granddaughter since December? No. Yeah. Yeah. And you cancelled two return flights to France, did you, in the past I, few months? I didn't cancel the Aer Lingus cancelled the flight. Okay, and do you hope to get there at the back end of the summer, or you don't I'm know? I'm hoping to fly on the 29th of August, and the quarantine should be over then, because we have information from the French embassy as well that um, it should be over after the 9th of July, but it case being postponed, it was June 15th, and then it got in early okay. so we don't know what's going to happen. Okay, July 9th yeah. is the July 9th is D-Day, really, for a lot of European countries. Then, isn't it? Same here. Mixed messages. So I, you know, I've heard yeah. there flights for everybody or they had they had travel, but then we know where we stand, and it would be just easier for everybody. Not to travel. Okay. I leave it there, Marie Eve, because it's not thank a great you. phone line, but thank you all the same. Regards to you all. Not so sure if you covered this recently, but you should do a spot regarding mobile home parks. Uh, that reopened on Monday, and they did last Monday. Imagine there's an awful lot of people now. Have you headed, have you all headed down to your mobile homes? Are you listening to me in East Cork and West Cork now? Are you down in Red Barn? What's going on? Maybe down around to uh, all of the different holiday parks all the way down west. But anyway, 
Garrettstown and things like that. Anyway, back to the email. Uh, you should do a spot regarding mo- mobile home parks reopening. If And if anyone is receiving a discount on ground rent due to being closed in April and May. Um, some of them actually even open in March. So it'd be March, April and May with regards to uh, a discount or perhaps a refund or something like that. In our park, we are hearing that some site owners down there are giving ground rent discounts of a few hundred euro and others are not. Citing waiting lists of people should any of us just want to leave. We've not heard of any discount. Some owners will save thousands of euro on electricity, water rates, public liability costs for at least those two months. Failure by them to pass on this this via ground rent discounts, in my opinion, is greed of the highest order. When some people have lost jobs, it's very hard on them to even afford to pay this year's ground rent on their mobile home. Unfortunately, we can't complain or even be seen to raise this uh, as I have, as the backlash could be eviction from the site or a substantial increase in rent next year. So please don't publish in my names. Uh, while I'd like to come on and talk, I can't for the same reason as I mentioned, but we do need your support. The owner-manager of the mobile home park gets benefits from us all being down for the summer, and any discount would most likely be spent there. So it's win-win for them. Anyway, maybe it's something you might raise. Maybe plant the seed a day or two in advance. I got this email at the back end of last week to let people know that, um, you know, it's an issue for some people with mobile homes not getting discounts because of the shortened season. Um, much obliged in that email from Tom. If anybody has an opinion on that, do get a, do get in touch. Uh, text 0868104106. Mobile home parks that opened on Monday without a discount. Sasha, good morning. Morning, how are you? I'm well. Um, thank you for your text. You were denied access. What, what was that about? Basically, uh, my daughter is an infant. She is not even two years of age. And uh, we were going to bring her to see her father, who lives in California, who is an American national. We were meant to do her American passport in April, but obviously with the COVID, we couldn't. So, and and we've been to America prior and we've never been, we've never had any issues because we both had Estes, you know? Yeah. So when we arrived to airport yesterday, they said that uh, she can travel because uh, she has, uh, she is, Amer- she has an American father, but I can't accompany her because I'm nobody. <laughs> you're, but but, but you, you are somebody in the sense that you're her mother, but, but you can't. to them, to America, I'm nobody during this covid yeah. So they said to me that she can travel, and I was like, kind of going, well, she's an infant, she can't travel on her own. Somebody needs to bring her. And I said, well, I've just applied for Estes. The ESTA was accepted. It was given to me three days ago. So you would kind of think that... If Why would were, you get an ESTA to travel and ex- then not be allowed ex- to board exactly. a plane? You would think that they'll put in extra extra points or extra questions into, you know, into when you apply to kind of make it more difficult for those for considering the restrictions. And what are, what are the restrictions now with regards to, say, Irish people going and flying into JFK, from as an what, example? From what I know, um, it's the Americans can travel or the immediate family of American citizens. So, legal and guardians of People like, I can't have, get on a flight now, can I, and go to Shannon and board a plane and go to JFK? Unless you have an American passport. No, that's what I mean, and I, and I don't. So, uh, no. Yeah, so no, how are they getting, how, why are Americans holidaying in Ireland then? 
that's exactly my point. That's why I commented and I was like, I, this is completely ridiculous. Apparently, Ireland, because obviously I've researched for a lot because I'm trying to make my daughter see her father. Yes. So, um, him coming here at the moment, we've done a bit more research. Him coming here, uh, he'll need to self-isolate. Yes. So, they need to self-isolate for 14 days. Yeah. Yeah. But apparently, uh, they're not. Like, they're, but they can still come. Yeah. But they're not self-isolating. Oh, I mean, the, the, the text... And that's not enforced either. Yeah. So, you're not being checked whether you're at that address at all times. Well, you're not if you're queuing up for a 99 in the middle of Killarney with four other Americans. You're hey, not, but, yeah. That's exactly. And we are not even, like, we have a valid point of why we're going there. I'm not staying in a hotel. I'm not staying, you know. So what happened at the airport when they denied you boarding? Nothing. They just left me there. My Obviously, my ticket went to... Um, God knows where we're currently trying to get some kind of either a refund or anything because I've obviously I haven't boarded the plane. And your daughter didn't board it either, she she didn't. No, well, sure, she's small. I wouldn't have obviously no, no, let, no. Let, let let her. So go. she must have been disappointed. Basically, Never oh, mind her. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, well, I was I interrupted. You. I was going to say she must have been disappointed, and her dad must have been disappointed too. Well, her dad is very disappointed. Um, I don't think she understands because she's so small. Um, on, the basis of you, it, on the basis of you getting an ESTA clearance, you thought you could go. Exactly. Yeah. A couple of days and, then, and okay if I had it for a year or whatever, you know, that I would have applied before COVID started. But because I've literally just got it, because I said to him, surely I can't get an ESTA if I can't travel. So you'd think if the ESTA was given, was granted, it's okay for traveling. Yeah, and yeah. then got to the airport, to Dublin airport. I live in Limerick. So we've traveled to Dublin, which is two and a half hours away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to the airport, got to the check-in desk, and the lady goes to me, well, you can't go. Only Americans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Only Americans or the immediate family of American citizens. But you're not married? No. So you're not an immediate family then, are you? But I'm a legal guardian of her. Oh, I know that. I'm just saying you weren't able able to bounce into America because of her dad. Like, no, 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 no. And what he was told that um, by birth she's considered a, a U.S. citizen, so she didn't, you know, she... She's considered a U.S. citizen. Therefore, if I'm her legal guardian, I should be allowed in as well. Yeah, but they didn't do it. We didn't have it. Okay. But they didn't do it. A lot of yeah. confusion. Thanks for that, Sasha. Much obliged. I just have a small rant for you, Neil. Uh, we have Michal Martin in charge now. Yes, we do. My pet hate is two-faced people. He said he'd never go into government with Fine Gael. Guess what? He went into government with Leo and the Green Party. Eamon Ryan already fell asleep at the first meeting in the Dáil. What a beauty he is. He's the person that cut the minimum wage by one euro the last time they were in government. Now we have the three stooges. Uh, and us, the people who voted for change. Sinn Féin got the most votes. However, I voted for Mick Barry and not Sinn Féin. I'm raging that we have the same clowns back in power now. The government gave themselves a pay rise not long ago. They also told nurses they won't be getting a pay rise. They'd Simon Harris in charge of health. Now he's gone. 
Why did Micheál Martin make Stephen Donnelly the health minister? Stephen Donnelly was uh, the one who said not long ago that nurses get paid very well. That must have been a right kick in the teeth for nurses. We've had a lot of TDs before, like Shane Ross on the opposition, pay, uh, opposition benches. He was all for the people. I liked him. And then he got voted into the government as a minister for sport and transport that he doesn't have a clue about. When he was an independent, he was always talking from the benches. Now he's very quiet. Before that, Joan Burton, who was all for the people. Then she got into government. Same thing happened. She changed. When she was in charge of social welfare, she changed the whole system. When the people went to protest against her, uh, they tried to overturn her car. She was crying in the car after this happened, and she knew what she did was wrong. She was making excuses about it. I could go on and on about the government. We have a corrupt country. If I ever cross, came across Leo or Mio Martin, I would throw flour and eggs at them. Us as a country are a waste of space. We should do what the French did and shut the country down until the people get their choice. In five years' time, if Mary Lou did the same, I would egg her also, says Darren, who has a fetish regarding throwing eggs at people, um, which, of course, is not recommended, nor is for any stretch of the imagination. And I'm not saying that Darren is, but trying to overturn somebody's car inside of it regardless of political decisions, is just not on. And then we've that and many more, which I'll come back to after the break. Hang on there. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. This is a voice note. I had a conversation with Declan Corbett from Corbett Court uh, and Keith got in touch by voice note. It's only about 45 seconds and he sent the voice note uh, to our WhatsApp on 0868104106. Hi Neil, um, that's Valier talking on the radio. Um, saying it's all Tony Hoolahan's fault. How was it just Tony Hoolahan's fault? Tony Hoolahan wasn't in charge. He wasn't in charge of the government, and he's saying that Michal Martin is brilliant. And Michal Martin could have objected to anything that Fine Gael were doing while while they were in power. Well, they're still in power anyway with Fianna Fáil. But I'd say that's a different kettle of fish. That fella's talking through his ex and saying that he'd get he'd ring Michal Martin, Michal Martin, and go up to Dublin and fire something someone. Michal Martin wouldn't get out of his own way to do anything. All he's worried about is his own pocket. And you you know, so he doesn't give he doesn't care about us. And anyone who thinks different is freaking as I say we're blinkers. Thank you, Keith. Uh, if you haven't seen the double hander, the two part uh, pandemic show that RT investigates did did um, at the uh, St. James's Hospital. You can watch it on the RT player. I watched the two of them yesterday and uh, I have to say it opened my eyes. It really did from the human aspect of, of the, the individuals who caught COVID-19. And unfortunately, what was very, very, very difficult to watch was the last minutes and hours and minutes of some of them passing away. I mean, it was very heavy hitting and uh, respect to the families that allowed their loved ones, um, not, not, you know, you didn't, you know some of the some of the stories you didn't actually see the patients, but others you did. You you really and truly did. It was quite graphic. There was one part of it actually, uh, which I I was actually crying. I was sitting on the, sitting down watching it on my own, and I had tears coming down my face. It was there was an elderly man. Brenda knows his name, um, and he was very very old, and he was staying in um, um, accommodation. I think it might have been the Salvation Army had provided him with his own place and everything, and he had his own care worker that looked after him a very elderly man who died of COVID-19 and he was brought back to, to Sligo to be buried in his home county. Did you watch that? I mean, she just got her phone uh, when he was dying and he had very little time left and she played him um, um, Tura Lura Lura, you know the old Irish lullaby? I mean, my God almighty, it was just so moving. It, and like it really and truly brought home to me that 
you talk about statistics and numbers and behind, I know it's easy to say it because, but it is so true. Between every statistic and you might go on about, you know, 0.5 of 1% and, uh, but like, even those 0.5 of 1%, they're all stories and, now some of them were were quite elderly and they they had long lives, but it didn't make mean it didn't make any less of the devastation watching that for the staff. Like I mean, there was parts of it like last night. I was watching and I was saying, my God, there was there was an elderly man who died, right? And of course, nobody can go in, and the relatives can. They, you know, even in their, you know, some like. Two days before dying, they might have been sitting up and trying to look at their family on, you know, like a video screen. And then two days later, they've just passed away. It can happen really, really quickly in the end when your lungs just fill up with, with fluid. But th- then they have to be, then the, the poor misfortunate person who has died, the nurse or maybe two nurses, they have to wash the, 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 the body and then put it in a body bag and into a second body bag. And then it's covered and then it's taken out and it's like not the way anybody should have to die but they talk to the dead person in the ward you know they actually continue to have conversations it it's such a, it was such a respectful way of working in one way it was quite beautiful but very very upsetting particularly um, that wonderful wonderful worker you know the worker that had been assigned to the elderly gentleman who died and she playing tora lura lura to him and uh, imagine he could hear it as he was literally taking his last breaths you haven't seen it, it's, it's there on the player. Just a quick comment on the programme on RT. Everybody should watch it, especially young people that are having their parties. It was so sad and so heartbreaking. The saddest part for me, Neil, was when the nurse said it was the sound of the zip closing on the body bag. She says it's a sound she will never forget. They deserve so much credit for what they do, says Caroline. Yes, the sound of the body bag zip would be with her forever. Kathleen said, um, the man talking about the RT documentary is so right, he's telling it as it is. They were singing songs to people that were passing away, and it was so sad. For all those who are wondering about holidays abroad and having pints, I think the Primetime Investigates program should have clarified what we all need to do. Um, somebody else doesn't agree, though. They think that the program was designed to create fear. Um, another one, how convenient that RTE aired that show now just when air travel is about to start up again. Why didn't they show this three months ago? As for clapping for staff in hospitals, for God's sake, why not clap for the aviation staff who were the first to be hit by this lockdown and the last to get back on track? Radio stations and RTE were bashing their industry. Please support the aviation scene. Pat says, our, our medical staff are some of the best in the world. I don't believe we've seen the worst yet, says he. And then one final one for now. Maybe if people watch this show, they would think twice about messing with COVID-19 illness. Why didn't they go in three months ago? Because there wouldn't have been... A, firstly, things peaked in April, the middle of April, right? That's when we had our highest numbers of people who were dying and people who were testing positive. So it wouldn't have... You use the word convenient, but firstly, you wouldn't have been able to get in television crews with the chaos that would have been in the ICUs then. Far from me to have to defend RT, but I think their earliest opportunity would have been May to get in there when numbers started to drop and they could get in there. Like there'd be a lot of equipment going in and out of hospitals like that. So even three months ago, we were very much in the unknown. So camera crews and TV crews and things knocking around a hospital like that, not possible, I think. Um, I don't know whether you saw it or not, but it, you know, it, it, like, like me yesterday, we were saying, oh yeah, clap for the hospital staff. Yeah, well, what are, are we going to clap as well for everybody else who was working frontline? I kind of have a different perspective on it now by virtue of the fact that I sat down and watched both of them yesterday. 
uh, tremendous admiration for the staff, um, but also unbelievable sadness when you actually saw the case histories and watched people die. Uh, it was it was absolutely tragic. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Back to the phone lines we go on this busy morning. PJ, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Going? I'm good. Now, uh, lots and lots of confusion as to you know where we'll be able to travel, what will happen on July 9th, where we'll be with quarantine, what will be the list of green countries, and then of course, loads and loads of people can't get their money back in the event that they don't want to travel. Did you want to pick up on that? Yeah, I've I've paid um, two thousand nine hundred to love holidays. And it looks like now that if, if uh, at the moment we're to fly out the end of August, if we have to quarantine for two weeks, there's no way I can go. Myself and my wife are frontline workers. So there's no way that we can do that. So I was wondering if the government are going to do something, you know, maybe put out put, put some money back against us, you know, for the holiday, you know, something like that. Because uh, the other ones are saying we can't go, you see. You know? Yeah, but I mean, you know, like in, in, if we're expecting... Restrictions to be lifted, let's say, on July yeah. 9th. And you're going yeah, on holidays yeah. on, in August. Yeah. And assuming we don't have spikes or clusters and the country isn't shut down. Yeah. Why don't, would, Lanz- you, would you go on holidays in August? You see, that, that's the thing. With Lanzarote, we're, we're going to, you see. So at the moment, it seems to be okay going there. But you see, you're so there's loads of people telling us go and there's loads of people telling us not to go. So I actually prefer not to go on my wife would too, but... You so won't get your money back. That's the thing, you see. Yeah. 2,900 is a lot of money to lose. So you know? it's almost as if you're kind of being forced to do something against your will, yes, kind of. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And the other, yeah, you're like many, many people who have been in contact. Yes, I mean, yes. I, I have reams of text on it. But yes. also the second part of your, of, your, of your conversation with me is around the government getting together some kind of incentive for people to holiday in Ireland, is it? Yes, exactly. Yeah, you see, we, it wouldn't be too bad then if we if we lost it. You know what I mean? If we didn't decide, like a voucher, is it? Know? Yeah, something like that. If we decided not to go, like imagine if they gave five hundred euro to every family that you couldn't redeem yeah. in an off license now or in a supermarket or buy a new yes, suit, yes. but you could spend it on hotels, Airbnbs, yes. guest houses, yes. restaurants. Yeah, to take the sting out of it, then people would be encouraged to perhaps holiday in Ireland then. Yeah, you see, what happened to us was we, we paid the deposit, you see. So we, we didn't want to leave that go, you know what I mean? We, we said if we keep paying away, that we get all, maybe at the end we'd get our money back. Because we had to keep following on the money, you see. No, you won't get it, yeah. No, you had to keep paying it, you did, otherwise. I keep paying it, and now all of a sudden, no, you see. So. Who knows, my man, between now and August, oh, there's going to be a lot of water under the bridge. Be, yes, 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 that's the thing, like. Well, we're not going to the 8th of August, so we have that time to make Let's up see what happens between now and then. Thanks, PJ. Appreciate it. Interesting text here from Linda. She says, we cancelled a holiday abroad and spent the last few days trying to find self-catering accommodation anywhere in Ireland. There is nothing available for July. Do you have any ideas? People will end up going abroad for holidays if this continues to be the case. Is that right? Is there a drought on self-catering accommodation, you know, with regards to a holiday home or a holiday rental for a week or 10 days. You're saying nothing available in July all over Ireland. Are you looking for something in West Cork? Or do you want to go to Kerry or do you care? Has anybody else any information regarding lack of availability for getting a holiday home or self-catering in Ireland at the moment? Um, I have a friend actually who has just finished a fantastic refurb on the most beautiful house in Balance Gellig's. 
He sent me photographs of it. I believe he's putting it up on Airbnb. Ballinskelligs is absolutely gorgeous. The beaches are terrific down there. It's very near Waterville and it's also close to Carsevine and Valencia. And, uh, you know, you're looking out on the Skelligs from, from Ballinskelligs. It's a beautiful place to be. A lot of Cork people go down there. If you're interested in that, I can pass on his number. It's a spectacular property and he sent me photographs of it during the week right in Ballinskelligs. Now, we have shout-outs as well to do this morning. And, and some of them for stuff that I got on my Instagram page and others from you guys who've been texting me and I'm going to do a lot of those in about five or six minutes time because we have some lovely prices from the Elm Tree. We also have vouchers for Clancy's. Uh, we possibly have the last of our, our ramen vouchers as well for Amon's, uh, ramen Asian street food restaurants. They're reopening all their branches for sit down and take out. And also uh, I organized recently a lovely weekend for two down in Port McGee and the moorings in Port McGee. So you'd have the bars down there, you'd have the, the restaurants, the pub food, and overnight accommodation for two nights, two nights bed and breakfast, one evening meal. I've also got them to organize a bottle of Port McGee whiskey, a voucher for the beauty salon, final dimensions, and uh, entrance for the two of you into the Skellig experience, right? You can take it at a weekend of your choosing. If you want a book down there, it's a beautiful part of the world. Uh, www.moorings.ie so I have all that to do between now and midday but just one or two calls this side of that Megan, good morning Hi, how are you? Um, there's, a, there's an extra charge being lopped on by hairdressers and not everybody's happy with it did you want to pick up on that? Uh, yeah, um, my mother has her own style on there for 30 odd years and because of Covid she's, it's, she's by herself in there and she's like scheduling our customers like rigidly like 15 minutes in between sanitizing masks for herself she has this like apron on and underneath that she has like a disposable gown on she has a face mask and then also like a shield and uh, her customers are like all over 60 she minds my nan who's over, who's over 80 my brother's immunosuppressed so she has to take these steps so I don't think that the Upping her prices, like, is that ridiculous with all the stuff that she has to buy? She's upped her prices a small bit, but not, like, astronomically. And our customers have kind of, like, accepted it. She must like, be She must be boiling in all that gear, is she? Oh, she's... I was down there a few... I think it was last week, and she uh, was, like, doing a trim or, like, a blow dryer or something. And she came in and she was, like, dripping with sweat. And it wasn't even that warm that day. <laughs> Yeah, she's got, a, she's got the blow dryers hot, of course, on top of all of the gear that she's yeah. wearing. Yeah, yeah. But has yeah. she put up the price by a fiver? Am I reading that wrong? Um, yeah, it was just like, it's not like the 60 euro you hear that in the bigger places. Like, it's just a small up. But like, most of her customers kind of understand it's for like the, the PPE and like the colours are really expensive. I've been with her when she's shopping in, in, the, in the, the salon places yeah. and like, just a tube of colour is ridiculous. Even on like the tax-free days that some of the places have, it's so expensive. And she's using more colour because there's more roots and things like that. Yeah, she's she's stopped doing like most of her customers would have like perms and stuff like that. She's stopped doing perms for the time being because they just take too long, and she can't be around people obviously for long periods of time. Uh, yeah. So she's stopped doing that. She's fixing some colours. I think mostly just trims and. Like kind of setting people's hair and stuff and that kind of stuff but like when she's I understand the, the stylist being kind of nervous if you've spent so long doing someone's hair and they come back with like this horrible box dye they're going to have to spend longer and more product somebody said there Sean Sean Wren said that stylists are stressed and I can't understand what are they stressed about 
Um, it's said like this it, before all this COVID. Like if my mom was doing someone's hair, she'd kind of be nervous as well. You know, if someone wants to go from like a black hair to blonde, you can. It's all up to the the hair that you have and like the the products you're using and stuff. So it can go wrong. Hopefully, it won't for a lot of toilets. But I can understand their nerves, like coming back and someone's after a box dying over. What? Oh, they're stressed because of the botch thing. jobs. Yeah. Just like someone walking in and they're your loyal customer for say like how many years a month and you've your hit their hair perfect like a work of art to them and someone comes in after box staying over it and you're just like okay <laughs> deep breath deep breath yeah. <laughs> weighed in sleeves up weighed in and any of the customers yeah. unhappy with the extra charge um, no I have she hasn't said anything that nobody's complained they're obviously they understand that the this the what you call it the PPE and the sanitizing and the okay. mask yeah. Okay, they thanks for that, Megan, and pass on our regards to your ma'am. Thanks for taking the call. Cheers. <laughs> Firstly, thank you for covering all the news about student parties in the College Road Magazine Road area over the last few weeks. My dad has been living on College Road for 50 years. He's struggling to get a night's sleep due to the parties next door, which go on until around about 5 a.m. Uh, the poor man, my dad, is so upset about the whole situation. It's heartbreaking to see. He loves his garden and spent hours cleaning it and minding it during lockdown. He has now found out that there is a rat infestation due to overflowing bins and rubbish not being cleared from the nearby rented properties. He's got rats. Neil, the story has been covered for weeks, but nothing has changed. The innocent people are the ones who are suffering. And these are our elderly and their siblings who have lived in the area all of their lives. The more publicity it gets, the worse the parties seem to get. And they'll get worse with an influx of students due for the summer that can't travel abroad. Um, the response from the local landlord is merely, yes, of course, feel free to ring the guards. How dare they leave it to the guardie to sort out an issue that they should be responsible for. I think it's time for the landlords, the owners of these properties, to be held responsible. If there was a charge put on the landlords of a thousand euro each time the guardie were called out, then I'm sure they would step up and do the right thing. The only way to get these property owners to react is to affect them financially. I wonder if their insurance companies know there's about 30 people at least in their properties on a daily basis. I wonder how that would affect their cover considering it's a high risk for a public liability claim if one of them breaks their neck. Thanks for reading the text. Hope that something will be done and soon before it gets any worse. That's Norma talking about the scenario that her dad is putting up with 50 years living on the College Road. Now, I think I read somewhere this morning that Catherine Clancy has been in court um, um, looking for court intervention regarding two landlords. Uh, that was this morning, I believe. So they are taking some kind of legal action, uh, the group of residents who came together in the area. All right, just very quickly, I'm trying to deal with as many people who have just reopened their business as possible. Uh, not there at the moment, but I might come back to you in a few minutes' time. So what I'll do is some, some, some shout-outs at this point. These are from my Instagram page. Any chance you could organise one of your vouchers for my fiancé, Barry? We're both cafe managers up to March this year. Then both of us were made redundant. We were due to get married on the 16th of July, but had to postpone to next year. He plays bass, and though he won't be able to play uh, and for the months, he still practices every day. I'm so happy to be in lockdown with him. No big arguments, and he inspired me to get up every morning and go for a jog, even when it's raining. I'm trying to keep up with Slimming World, and he will happily eat my Slimming World recipes. <laughs> he, has an, he had an interview yesterday, and I'd really love to treat him, as he's always so good to me, says Heather. Love the show. Turned on red as soon as I wake up every morning, says Heather O'Leary in Mayfield. Thank you for that. I'm so, so kind of you. We'll see what we can do for you. I don't know how many prizes and gifts we have at the moment, so we'll, it's all about the look of the draw now. My name's Kelly Walsh. It was my mother's 50th birthday last week and my brother's 18th on Saturday. All cancelled. 
Appreciate it if you could help us with one of your vouchers. We're having a family get-together Saturday to celebrate both birthdays. Thanks a million. It would be greatly appreciated. Uh, and Lord J. Duggan says, I li- Lord, got a Lord listening. I listened in the UK, I listen in the UK with my wife as we do every day. I was wondering if you'd consider giving something nice to my sister. She's recovering from a serious operation to remove cancer. And while she's doing well medically, uh, she's a bit down on herself and it's been very difficult not being able to be home to support her. She's my only sibling and I'd love to try and cheer her up. She's Laura. Don't give out her address, but here it is. She's up uh, in a certain area of the north side. Hopefully we'll be able to come home soon to visit. Love the show, says John. Lord J. Duggan, listening in the UK. Thank you for the company every morning for the last three months. Back to work on Monday in Lakela Family Resource Centre in Mallow. You kept me sane for the last few months. Thank you for that. Um, I'm not quite sure what your full name is, but you're signed off as Char 40. So maybe a Charon who is 40. Garrett says, uh, love the show. Always like to nominate Catherine Shute from Turner's Cross. During the lockdown, while myself and my brother had to work, she went out of her way every day to get shopping and hot meals for my elderly parents who could uh, not leave. We were so grateful for the help that the parents got during the pandemic. And that's from Gary and uh, maybe M- Margaret Barry from their son Gareth. And they're out in the Aaron Terrace. Uh, big shout out to the Rathcormack Inn, who opened on Monday. We're working mad behind the scenes to get everything done to the last touch for reopening. Give us a shout out. It would be brilliant. If you're ever passing, don't hesitate to stop by for a bit of delicious, homes, wholesome, homemade grub. The Rathcormack Inn, open for business. And also, uh, just one final one for now. I'd love to give a shout out to my boyfriend, who's been my rock through this lockdown. He had to work from home the whole time. He never complained. He just put the head down and did what he had to do. He's a brilliant man who kept the light in me. I love that. He kept the light in me. He deserves one of your vouchers as a treat. Thank you so much. It says Petra. And there are just some shout-outs from my Instagram page. Um, just one fast call then and we'll see where we go after that. Sean Haran is on line one. Sean, good morning. Long Sorry. time no here. It has been a long time. And congratulations on Bocelli on Mailer Street. I have a feeling it's Italian. Am I right? You're dead right, Neil. Yeah. Uh, my, t- partner, my partner, who is a, a super chef, has been around in the Cork restaurant scene for the last 15 years. And uh, he and I have worked together on occasions along the way. Yeah. yeah. So he's, he's now the man on the ground running Bocelli's Kitchen and Wine Bar. Okay, so it's pizza and pasta and, uh, and lashings of good wine. Exactly. And your head, chef, your head chef's from Kurdistan, I'm told. Is that right? He's from Kurdistan, but has spent the last 17 years in Ireland. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love um, it. He so, has worked in some of the best uh, Italian restaurants here in Cork, so he always wanted to do his own thing, which he has done Saturday last, a year just before the lockdown. Yeah, I know. You, I mean, it would like you were you opened December 18th and closed in March and reopened again yeah. last... Uh, when, are you, when are you reopening? This, this Friday? Is it a Friday week or what? Open fully this Friday, um, but he has been open for uh, click and take away for the last number of weeks. And a lot, a lot of city restaurants have been too. Um, what's that one? The Palestinian one on uh, George's Key is cafe. Is it? Is that's right? Yes, oh yes. man, I got I got some takeout there uh, about a week ago. You know, clicked and went in, collected, brought it home. It was absolutely yes. fantastic. I mean, it was isn't, just... Isn't that brilliant? Oh, man. So it really, it really works. You, we can get food from anywhere in the world now. I mean, there's another one, I think, up on, um, on Pope's Quay. I think it... Is it Cypriot? It's incredible. Yeah, I, there is. There's quite a few around the city now. Um, 
you know, people that have come in here have integrated so a lot of people that have come in here have integrated so well, and now they're doing their thing on the food scene, yeah, which yeah. Uh, gives us a much varied. I think the la- I think the lads on George's Key came here as asylum seekers, and they were up in the asylum seeker centre up on the Kinsale Road, and now they're knocking yeah. out superfood. And so is your you chef th- from Kurdistan. Exactly. Now, um, my man Sam um, did work in Rome for a number of years, so that's where he's got um, the Italian flair. So, have you had to? Is it a small restaurant? Have you had to rejig the tables and things? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it probably is a sixty. It is a sixty-seater restaurant normal times, but obviously that's way down now. Um, but Neil, we were we were trying to, um, you know, get going last year, and it's it's not an easy thing in in um, the environment we're in. But having closed down for three months, he's now got to try and get the momentum going again. Like you know, many established, other businesses, yeah. established yeah. restaurants, you know, it's quite easy or easier. But not having a, a, a name and a reputation, it's very, very difficult to start back after. Uh, so I'm happy to give you a shout out in that regard. Would you ever see Mailer Street being able to use outdoor seating? Is it that little bit too narrow, do you think, Sean? No, it's, it's not too narrow. But you see, there are very few eateries on the street. There's just one other uh, restaurant on the street. And... Um, but, you know, Neil, we're not sure what's going to happen going forward. Um, we have some seating on the, the sidewalk. Um, it is a pe- pedestrianized street from 11 until 6 in the evening. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're, we're hoping that that will change in a while. Okay. Well, listen, you're opening on uh, the 5th, which is, uh, when is that? that did, what day of the week I is think that? That's, that's the Friday. This Friday coming. Yeah. Okay, so that would be the 3rd then, um, 3rd of July. So if people want a book, is it online? Pick up the phone, what's the drill? Exactly, it's online um, and we're manning the phones. Um, so yeah, he has a very good website um, and it's easily tracked down, uh, Bocelli Kitchen and Wine Bar. Um, I just don't have... I just don't have the na- uh, the number in front of me right well, now. Well, listen, I'll get that for you in a couple of minutes. I'm going hi- to hit you up for a couple of vouchers, right? <laughs> That's the we'd, be, we'd be thrilled with that, Neil. Thank you. All right, and I'll organise them and we can give them away with our shout-outs. Okay, well, listen, I put, I'll put you on hold. Get the phone number for me and we'll give it a blast. Some good Italian cooking then on Mailer Street from Friday. Fair play. Nice one. Neil, thank you a million. Cheers, Sean. You've always been very good Stay to me down through the years. Appreciate you getting in touch. Sean Haran, great cork man, super stuff. So we'll get the address. And we know the address. We'll get the phone number you can book directly. And we've hit him up for some vouchers and we'll include those now in our shout outs. I'd adore one of your voucher giveaways. My little lockdown baby and I haven't been able to see friends or family during this time. And I'd love a little treat because it's been hard on all of us, says Laura and her little babby. Can you please sort us out for lunch? I've cooked daily throughout the lockdown for my family. And to be honest, I would love to sit and enjoy Enjoy the experience of seeing other people and tasting different foods, says Lisa. Well, don't know if we'll get you into a restaurant, but we may be able to get you a voucher. You never know, though. We have some wonderful Clancy's vouchers as well as to give away. My, uh, I, w- I would love to win a lovely prize. I'm back to work after three months. A little nervous, but I'm telling myself it will be new for everybody just like me. My partner and I are celebrating our first year anniversary as well. It would be a lovely treat, says Ashling in Carrigaline. I'd love one of the Clancy's vouchers for my partner, who has been nothing but a legend since lockdown began and has made the remote working so much easier with freshly baked goods 
and cups of tea. She has gone out of her way on several occasions to help my mum, who's cocooning due to health conditions. She loves Clancy's, and we would love to surprise her with a well-deserved day out, says Josh in Carrick As I say now, there are so many nominations and so many requests and dedications coming in. It's up to Mark to try and organise as many prizes and be as fair to everybody as possible. So I can't guarantee everybody uh, something, even though I do all of the shout-outs. My mum and dad, please, for one of your staycations. They're married 30 years in a fortnight and we're all out of work over COVID. We have bills to pay. My poor mum was the only one working her ass off because she's healthcare, spent her money on the grandkids and deserves a break now, says Colette and Fairhill. And also then I'd love a voucher for my son, Sean. It's been a very difficult few months during lockdown. He missed his confirmation. Well, we did have a drive-by graduation, but with my husband's first year anniversary, we couldn't even hug friends or family. Love the show, says Leslie. Um, can you give a shout out to all of the Debenhams girls who continue to fight the fight? on Patrick Street for 12 weeks. They deserve one of your treats for all their hard work and dedication. And there are more, which I hope to get back to in the morning and do some short shout-outs then. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. And to go, before I go, there's a lovely colour story making the mirror this morning. The most rewatched movies during COVID. And apparently, Dirty Dancing is right up there with Die Hard and The Wizard of Oz. They were the top three Rewatched. Apparently, many of those researched on this watched it 12 times. God almighty, 12 times. I've never seen that movie, nor Die Hard, but The Wizard of Oz it has. After that, then Star Wars, two or three of them, followed by Mary Poppins. Lots of Star Wars. Mary Poppins, The Sound of Music, Back to the Future, The Breakfast Club, The Lion King, The Incredibles, Rocky. Don't know which one, but Rocky. Ghostbusters, Monsters, Inc., Lethal Weapon, Top Gun, and a whole load of Harry Potters and The Godfather. And down at the last place, as in 20th position, Jaws, which in my lifetime I think I must have seen, definitely seen Jaws uh, 20 times, if not more, maybe even 30. And every time I watch it, I think, wow, incredible. Time to go, but before I do, just one or two other ones. And it's important to mention, Cecilia's right, you should mention the two hours free parking in Paul Street and the North Main Street. I got quite a few shops done yesterday and I even managed to stop for a coffee. And I was pleasantly surprised to find that I was still within the two free hours. I hadn't been watching the time, but I had a great afternoon. It's better than the offer they did at Christmas, which is usually 10 until midday. Whereas now, it's your first two hours Anytime. Super text, Celia. Good to finish up on a positive note. Two free hours at any time of the day. Paul Street and North Main Street. She got a lot of shopping done. Even stopped for coffee. Had a wonderful time in the city. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.